0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, every single podcast app that you can possibly have. We are available. And we thank you for your patronage because this is episode fifty. Nate and Kyle are here with you. Aaron's feeling under the weather tonight, so he will not be joining us. But Kyle, episode fifty. Yes, sir. Thank you for your service. Because you don't get paid to people you should know. Kyle and Aaron don't get paid to do this show.
1: I get paid in experience. uh, I get paid in in memories is what I get paid in. So they're,
0: they're doing it for their love of pro wrestling. And we are at episode 50 of the Weekend can Wrestle podcast. We have a special feature for you tonight. We've prepared essentially pro wrestling mixtapes. Yep. And when Kyle presented this idea to me, the way I kind of looked at it, and I don't know if this is what you were getting at or what have you, but I'm, I kind of rolled with it. Like, if I was going to make a tape, uh, that, that dates me, a tape. <laughs> All right, how about this? If I was going to make a DVD or a Blu-ray of someone... For someone to watch ten things, it may not always. It may not even be the matches. May not even be my favorite matches. You know, there there are matches I love to watch. But anyway, if I was going to make a, a, a something for someone to watch of to encapsulate me as a wrestling fan, these are the ten things I would put on that tape. Yes. So exactly, we're, we're going to do that, and that's going to be fun. <laughs> But uh, before we
1: get there, you know, I've been kind of feeling down, Nate. Uh Uh-oh. Kind of been having a bad couple days. So, you know, I I went ahead and uh, I I cut all the the Nike swooshes out of my my shorts (laughs) and my shirts. And the sad (laughs) part about it is now I just have fucking the same Nike swoosh, but it's just cut out. So that's kind of fucking pointless. (laughs) It's kind of mad about that. Yeah. Really wish I would have thought about that ahead of time.
0: <laughs> I I looked at the Nike Swish the other day and I thought, well, that kind of looks like a hurricane. And then Hurricane Florence hit.
1: Yes, oh, and, damn. and to be honest with everybody, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody down there. Yes, and with the hurricane
0: and everything, but stay my, safe. My thing was, and I posted this on my personal Facebook page about this whole Colin Kaepernick thing with the Nike. Like my thing is, who cares? What overpaid athlete is doing commercials for overpriced footwear? You know what I mean. Well, who, I and mean, then I saw the cares? commercial and I was
1: like, it's not even. Eh, but yeah, I said, I don't know. and the thing that gets me above everything else is people are like, I'm going to cut up my stuff. Same thing with the NFL. It's like you already bought it. They already got right. your
0: money. What the fuck? I mean, guess
1: what? It's the same thing as you know, fucking Roddy Piper would say, "Oh, please don't buy my eight by ten and rip it up in front of me. I hate that."
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, like I said, I don't, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I have not owned, I haven't owned anything Nike since I was a teenager anyway, because um, I'm a practical guy and I'm kind of cheap. So, I mean, the most expensive tennis shoes I buy, I, I buy, I buy, I usually have a pair of Skechers. Right. Which my kids make fun of me because they're like, Skechers, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Well, but, it's
1: like, look, I'm wearing what fucking makes me feel comfortable because right, I'm on right. my goddamn feet all day.
0: <laughs> right. I, I I, don't buy Nike products. I don't care. I don't care if he's I don't care if he takes a knee, quite frankly, because who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, wh- whatever. Yeah, like, I know. I don't know. I, uh, I haven't I haven't I haven't religiously watched the NFL in years because I think they're overpaid. And and, and
1: I think anything uh, Nike that I have, or Reebok or any like designer clothes, it's all game of goodwill. <laughs> honestly it, it was
0: secondhand anyway the money the money you spent didn't go to nike anyway no it just went to goodwill so but uh how about the hell in the cell man well yes we are recording this episode here on uh september 16th it'll probably be hitting the air on september 17th as i will edit it tomorrow morning but hell in a cell pay-per-view just concluded i have a few things to say about the oh, holy shit hang
1: on i just got a uh, fucking tweet from toots oh my yeah, he says here, hang on, what was this say? Oh, boy. He said, how apropos that the cage was red. Is anybody that's been married or have a relationship, when it's time for their period, that's the real Hell in the Cell. <laughs> oh, toots, that's...
0: Hashtag hurricane flow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was what I was about to say. We opened the show up with the red Hell in a Cell. I, you know, it's funny, because when I first saw it, I was like, "What the fuck?" Red Hell in a Cell. As you watch the show, to be honest, and you may disagree with me, the Red Hell in it a grew Cell. On me. Yes, it was. It was aesthetically pleasing. It, it, you know, I mean, when I when I watch now, I have to realize, even though sometimes it gets on my nerves, how sterile things look. They are filming the show in a high definition era, yep. so making things pretty is much more important than it used to be, you know when you filmed a hell in a cell in nineteen ninety seven that was just fence, but that was also you know old cameras, and it- you know the details didn't show up, yeah, et cetera, et cetera so I mean yeah, like you said as i watching the the jeff hardy Randy orton match the fact that the cell was red kind of uh kind of caught on to me and by the end of the show I was used to it already so I'm all right with it it's
1: fine yeah I like I said it was it was nice to see something different I guess it was nice to see that they because they kind of made it seem like it was more of an important thing mm-hmm. so I'm all for it I mean you know I, I wonder if the Elimination Chamber is going to be blue and
0: right <laughs> so a few observations. Firstly mentioning the match, Orton and Hardy.
1: Jesus Christ. That
0: match was brutal. I can't gauge exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Sorry. Oh, I, I fuck can. Cause
1: I had For all fans out there to know, I have my ears stretched and everything yes, else. Yes. And to see that shit, I was like, ah, uh,
0: ah. Yeah, I don't, I have no piercings. I have no tattoos, but watching that, I was cringing like a son of a bitch. Um, so that's what I was going to do since you have Mm gauge. So, okay. My question, my question, cause you know, wrestling's a work Mm -hmm. wrestlers have a tolerance for pain and they do things that put them in pain. So my question to you is someone that doesn't have any, any work done at all. Any, any piercings, any tattoos, anything. So I'm completely blind and ignorant to this. Okay. Yep. If Jeff wears really big gauges, which I think he does, yep. Because his ear is already stretched the way it is, does the was the was the visual effect worse than the pain? Is that if that makes sense? <clears throat> what I'm saying, like, yeah. does, since he since he stretches his earlobes like that anyway. Does, would he have less pain involved in the actual spot?
1: Yes. Because basically, like, long story short is, if you have a regular earring in, mm-hmm. like your normal earring, those can be ripped out easily. Right. When it's more stretched, it's it's basically stronger, can take more abuse. Um, like I said, I... I, mean, I can hang. I can hang. I know people who hang weights off of their ears to stretch right. them out.
0: And I'm sure there's discomfort involved. But the
1: fact that he was pulling on it and then s- twisting it around—that there's no way around that. That's gotta <laughs> fucking hurt.
0: Yes, and that was sick.
1: <laughs> God damn! I'll give them credit. They fucking put on one hell of a match.
0: Yes, and the 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 um, the match. The only my the only issue I had with that match, and I actually had the match with the issue with the match beforehand. Because I didn't think that they had built their rivalry up enough to be in a Hell in a Cell match. Like, when I was thinking Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, I knew they'd have two matches. And I knew Braun and, and Roman would be one of them. I figured because of the personal issue, Joe and Styles would be the other. More on that match later. Right. Um, I didn't think that Jeff and uh, and Randy had built up their feud enough to warrant a Hell in a Cell match. And then I watched the match... And other than the last spot, which could have been accomplished even with a ladder, the match did not at all utilize the cell. No. So, to me, the only criticism I have of the match, because I thought it was really good, was the <sighs> fact that it didn't. There was no purpose for it being in a Hell in a Cell.
1: No. Um. I will say this: those, those two beat the fuck out of each other.
0: Indeed, they did. They Jesus Christ! And that was that the was. St- that was something that I noticed also about this pay-per-view. That is the most this is the most blood I've seen in a WWE pay-per-view in ages. Yeah. Like ages. There were there was blood and there was there was blood in Hardy and Orton, there was blood in AJ and um Samoa Joe. There was also blood, there was <laughs> there was blood in the Miz match. but I think that was I think that was like the hard way. When right. when Daniel when Daniel uh gave that knee a Miz, I didn't, I don't think that he was supposed to bleed. No, so that was definitely well, a hard way spot, but
1: in a hell and a cell, it makes it, makes it more believable. Right. I right. mean, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, you have two guys who have a feud like that. You're going to draw blood. Exactly. I mean, that's my God. It's, it's oldest time, you know, and the right wrestlers can make it look fucking devastating. Like Ric Flair that fucking blonde hair was made perfectly for fucking blood.
0: Well, and Randy Orton's a great bleeder. Yeah. Um the the reason that I've always thought that Randy was a great great bleeder too is um he does not bleed you know like Flair or Stone Cold. When they bleed, they bleed profusely. Yeah. <laughs> what i've always what i've always thought was cool about Randy and and it, this is just a natural thing you know some of us are bleeders and some of us aren't Randy's blood when he bleeds it's 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 more it's less but it's more it's more i don't know impressive i, I don't even know how to how to put it it's just he he bleeds differently um so we had that match and i thought that match was good i thought they did uh they did a decent job with it. Um, two great, two great workers. I guess we'll mention while we're talking about that match, since you got a Hardy in that match. Matt, Matt Hardy has retired.
1: Well, seeing that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about it because he says, um, "It's the last time you're going to see Broken or Woken Matt." Mm-hmm. So is he coming back? Is regular Matt? Who knows what they're doing yeah. with that? But if I- he is done, I.
0: I think he's I think he's done, and the reason I say that is he had to have what is it like his pelvis and his spine or something are fusing together and I think
1: so like, yeah, I
0: mean he's got some crazy shit going on there, which um, is
1: it's sad,
0: yes, yes, but I think that I don't think Jeff is much longer either for the world of wrestling. Um, with his mounting injuries and everything, too. And I think, to be honest, they might wind up being the main event for the Hall of Fame this year.
1: Right. Well, and then you look at the crazy shit like Jeff did tonight, and it's like, don't fucking add years to your
0: career. Right. (laughs) And then Becky Lynch defeats Charlotte for the Women's Championship, which was a satisfying finish and can continue their feud.
1: Um, I like the fact that uh, Charlotte went to shake her hand and Becky's like, nah, you're not taking this moment from me.
0: Yes, I I do too. And I like the feud, even though, you know, the fans have been kind of, um, treating Charlotte like she's the Roman reigns of the women's division. Um, (laughs) not, not booing who Vince wants them to boo. That's all right, whatever. But I do think the feud's good and I thought the match was good. And, uh, I was happy to see Becky Lynch win the women's championship.
1: Yep, definitely deserves it.
0: And now the next match was the tag, the raw tag team championship match, and I, I have to make a point here. Um, and it may be controversial. I don't care. Uh, that's what this is one of the reasons I went I wish Aaron was here because he'd probably. I don't know if he'd argue with me or not. He might have actually <laughs> the same way I did. And I'll see what you think. Um, I told my wife while I was watching the show that I've probably in my lifetime being a wrestling fan and as long as I've watched, I mean, i have been a fan since 1983 when I was five years old, all the shows I've watched, all the pay-per-views I've watched, uh, I've probably watched, I'll be honest, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a terrible, I don't think it's an overstatement for me to say that I have watched tens of thousands of wrestling matches. Okay, mm-hmm. and I have to say that the Ziggler McIntyre Rollins Ambrose tag team title match tonight is one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Ever, I think, and and this is a big statement. I honestly think that is the best tag team match I've seen in this decade. I was on the edge of my seat watching that match. These four guys fucking tore it up tonight. And I. From 2010 to 2018, in this decade, that's the best tag te- American tag team match I've seen. I've seen some better tag team matches out of Japan. But this is. That was the best American, especially WWE tag match I've seen in a decade. And kudos to all of them, because that match was fucking fantastic. I don't know. I don't do you do you think I'm overstating it or No, absolutely not. I mean, it's it seemed like tonight, and I'm not trying to take
1: anything away from what you're saying about the tag team match, but it seemed like everybody tonight was kind of stepping their game up.
2: Mhm. And
0: well, yeah, it was, like it you was said, it was actually overall a really good pay-per-view. But I, I didn't, it didn't honestly, this pay-per-view didn't lose my interest much at all. Um, no, I
1: was I it was it was very it it was paced very well.
0: Yes. Yes, and we'll get to the match soon, but as crazy as it sounds, the match that, to me, the worst match on the card, as crazy as it sounds, the worst match on the show tonight was, and it wasn't even bad, but out of this show, to me, the worst match was uh, the Brian miz mixed, mixed tag team match. Um. But me. yeah, I thought I really did. I thought that that these four guys fucking lit it up tonight, and I thought it was a great match. And I love clean finishes, even when it's a heel. Um, I guess not clean finishes, but a definitive finish. It, there was no screw job ending. There was no, you know, I mean the heels did heel shit, but overall, um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great match, and um, the finish was awesome. The match itself, I mean, you talk about, that's what a tag team match should be. I mean, they they essentially, Rollins and Ambrose played Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton tonight. Yep. And, you know, Rollins sold and sold and sold, and then finally Dean Ambrose playing the role of a Robert Gibson made the hot tag, and... You know, Am- or McIntyre and Ziggler did, they played the Midnight Express. You know, this is like rock and roll in Midnight from the 80s. This was a fantastic tag match. And um, I think, to be honest, like I said, every- wrestling is like art. Wrestling is art, so it's all subjective. But this is the best tag match I've seen in 10 years. So kudos to these guys. Fantastic. Best match of the night, in my opinion.
1: You know, I I gotta give that to you. I I agree. I think they had a an amazing match. They really truly came tonight. Like I said, with you know, it almost felt like this was their this was their rebuttal to All In.
0: Yeah, I actually in a wrestling board that I belong to on Facebook, I actually put, and I'm I'm of course have been getting. Wonderful reactions from the internet wrestling community. But I actually put down that this match, this tag team match, was better than anything on the All In show. And that's not dogging out the All In show. I liked that show too. But this was four pros doing what they do, and it was fantastic.
1: I got to give it to you. I I agree. I mean, they they literally went out there tonight knowing what they were doing, and... Mm -hmm. They stole the show.
0: Yep, I agree. So then we move on to two guys that also did a fantastic job in their match, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe in the WWE Championship match. And the match itself started off slow, but that's okay. Um, They built to a really satisfying finish, I thought. If you're continuing a feud, you have the disputed finish. I thought that the, the, the pinfall... Plus, the submission was a good idea if you're going to continue on to the Australia pay-per-view. Um, I, I don't know. It wasn't the best AJ Joe match I've ever seen, but it was good. Um, I My only problem, my only problem with this is I just don't think, you know, you have a great... This is one of the few times in the WWE in probably the past 5 or 6 years that you have a really good personal issue storyline going on with Joe and AJ. And AJ, I don't think they he just hasn't been booked to be aggressive enough. No. Like like you know what I mean? Like you 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 have got it. you've got Joe getting on this guy's family. I mean, John Cena had more aggression when Edge was beating up his dad.
1: Well, and that's the thing about it. you want to see the babyface have fire. Mm-hmm. You want to see the babyface, you know, coming to the match. The perfect example, you know, going back to the Hardy Orton match. Right off the bat, fucking Orton jumps into it. Right. Or I'm sorry, not Orton, but Hardy jumps into it. Yeah. That's what you want to see. You want to see the babyface that who's been fucked over and. Screwed with, you want to see him basically fucking get the heel,
0: right? Yeah, forget forget that he's a baby face tonight,
1: and you know? the fact that Hardy all that's happened to him is that he's had his face paint wiped off, <laughs> and he's that pissed. You know, AJ Styles should be fucking ready to kill Smojo. Yeah, and
0: I don't know, I don't know if that is, I don't know if that's WWE's fault. I don't know if that's AJ's fault. He's just not getting the fire he's not i don't know but hopefully that's what that's building toward in melbourne because i i don't see joe winning the title so you've had you've had aj you know you had the SummerSlam match, and then tonight we had the 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 screwy finish where it could have been either guy so then we and got i gotta
1: it. i gotta say i like that this the way they did this more than what they did with the undertaker and brock lesnar a couple of years ago
0: mm-hmm.
1: this felt better planned it felt more real
0: right right yeah i agree i agree and the the aj or a good heel is is right and they know they're right yep that you know and joe is you know if you look at everything they did the way they did it and these guys are two fucking pros they're two of the best in the business so of course it's going to come off perfectly it came off perfectly just what I hope is AJ wins in Melbourne, and he wins by being... Because they're doing, they're doing a No Holds Barred match, which is good. So I just hope that AJ brings it, and his character is, is a little vicious during that match. Because I don't think he's dropping the title to Joe. I, I really honestly, and it sounds silly, I'm a big AJ Styles fan, so it's it works out for me. But I think they're actually going to have... I think they want AJ to surpass CM Punk's title reign, because WWE's petty like that. Yep. So I think AJ is going to wit- retain the championship at least through to where he can be the tenth longest reigning champion instead of CM Punk. Which,
1: you know, I mean, with Punk not being in the company and all the the heartache and everything, the harsh feelings. I I guess I can understand them.
0: Right. Like, and, hey,
1: here's this guy. That... And as
0: much as I'm a CM Punk fan, I mean. I have to say, going back to when he left the company, no matter what his no matter what his grudges were, no matter what his his complaints were, no matter any of that, you don't walk off the fucking job, you know. Yeah. And I'd say the same thing about Stone Cold Steve Austin. You don't take your fucking ball and go home. You have you have fans that are paying to see you advertised. You are advertised, you know. No matter what your Bitch Moan Fest is with Vince McMahon. It's not about Vince McMahon. It's about me, Kyle, anybody that's paying a fucking ticket to see you wrestle. When you walk out, you're fucking us. So to me, anybody that walks out, no matter how much I like them, I'm a big CM Punk Mark. No matter how much I like CM Punk, the way he left the company was fucking bullshit.
1: You know? Well, and what's even more bullshit is the fact that did CM Punk deserve the main event? Of WrestleMania, absolutely. But the problem is, it's like he felt like he needed to have it right then and there. Well,
0: my my thing always with that that stuck with <sighs> me, stuck in my crawl about that when he said that, um, was okay. You okay in two in in 1989 when Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage main evented WrestleMania five. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage was the main event of WrestleMania five because wrestling and WrestleMania was booked differently. Then yep. there, there is not quote unquote, a main event of WrestleMania anymore. Okay. No. And it, my thing is WrestleMania 28 CM Punk was in a championship match with Chris Jericho. That is a main event. WrestleMania 29, CM Punk wrestled the fucking Undertaker at WrestleMania. That is a main event. And he had the match of the night. Exactly. So, in the modern wrestling era, the last match of the show isn't, yes, it's the main It's the main event technically. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not the main event. There isn't a main event of WrestleMania anymore. Because well, even, even the guy that wins the Royal Rumble doesn't always appear in the last match anymore. No, Fuck, look at Al- Sheamus. He won well, the Royal Rumble. It was in the first match and beat fucking Daniel Bryan. Well, so was Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio won the Royal Rumble and he opened up WrestleMania twenty seven. But that's still a main event. That's still a championship match at Wrestle. I don't know. I just like I've never followed Punk's logic on that. Like
1: um, to me, it just it always felt bad. like that it was. That he wanted he wanted what he wanted and he wasn't gonna be happy till he got it and And he didn't, I don't I don't think I don't, he even
0: knew what he wanted. I think he just wanted to go home. Yeah, I think found, that if he, he found, if
1: he had even if he had gotten the main event he still probably would have
0: Yeah, because he would have been in the main event because they pitched him that they they pitched him he was gonna wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania thirty. Which is a main event. No it. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. So here's the biggest thing
1: that I too that bugged me was, you know, he made all these points about how oh nobody ever believed in me and you know Triple H tried to bury me. Well, guess who else got fucking buried? Mick Foley. Yeah. Guess who else got buried? John Cena.
0: Guess who else got buried? Daniel Bryan.
1: And they rose. They rose the occasion and they won over Vince and they won over Triple H. Mm-hmm. It's not about how it's fucking politics. That's what it is yeah. in any business. It don't matter what it is. There's yeah. politics, right? You've worked in retail. I work in, in, in factory manufacturing, there's fucking politics everywhere you go. Exactly. Everybody thinks they can do it better. Everybody thinks that they deserve what you have. I've said it time and time again, where I work, you could have a bag of shit and there's gonna be everybody's gonna be mad because you have a bag of shit
2: <laughs>
1: i want a bag of shit <laughs> yeah they'd be like well he got a bag of shit where's my bag of shit be like guys it's a bag of shit
0: and then you get like, your bag it. of shit and you're like it's just a bag of shit <laughs> See, you want to be like i i tried to fucking tell you <laughs> is this the ceo shit oh it's the executive vice president shit why does he get the ceo shit yeah so <sighs> speaking of daniel bryan the next match on the show, Daniel Bryan and Bree against The Miz and Maurice, which to me left a lot to be desired, and I wasn't happy with the finish. I don't understand. Like, I mean, I guess I understand they're building up heel heat. Because I think, aren't they supposed to have Bryan and The Miz at, in Australia and the winner gets a championship match? I th- I think so. Um so I th- I assume Daniel Bryan wins in that one, but Daniel Bryan for the past 2 months have been made to look really stupid. And as much as I dig the Miz as a heel, I just I don't know. The the their feud to me I think the feud for me lost steam just because of the fact that they had their talking smack moment like 2 years ago. And, well, and it, it, I don't know. It just it's kind of fell flat for me the whole time.
1: Well, it, and then we're bringing in Maurice and we're bringing in Brie, which you know we just had that at Mania with Cena and Nikki. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I, their their feud is essentially an advertisement for Total Divas.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: But anyway, Ms and Maurice go over there. Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss. I thought Ronda Rousey sold too much.
1: I you I know I what? I, I, I agree with you. But I, I see why they did it. Right. Because how do you you book Ronda Rousey as this unstoppable beating machine? that's the fucking Goldberg complex.
0: It is, but I think how that, do you make how do you make her vulnerable? I think that you uh, to meet to me personally. I book I, I told my wife while we were well, she was kind of watching the pay per view. Right. And I was watching the pay per view tonight. I told her, I said, you know, Natty is smiling, Natty is walking to the ring with Rhonda. The only reason baby faces in wrestling have best friends is so that their best friend can turn on them. I I think, was waiting for it. I think that to me because Natty's a badass, everybody knows she's a badass. I almost think that it would have been better to book Ronda until maybe like Survivor Series where she just runs through bitches and then you have Natty turn on her and Natty becomes her first big. Because I think that, I think from everything I understand, I think their goal for WrestleMania is to get to a Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair match, which is awesome. That's cool. That's fine. Right. But I think you have Natty turn on her, and Natty really could be the first one to give her... I mean, okay. Nothing that happened to Rhonda tonight happened to her fairly. And they were working the rib angle and all that. I mean, I it's, a, it's fine. But I just... I don't... I didn't... I personally, I didn't want to see her selling like that yet. Right. What... You know, I guess to me... What I had
1: thought would have been cool or what they should have done was, yes, I understand that, you know, it it would have been a quick cash in with the fact that um, the Anvil died. But have Ronda Rousey sit there and be like, oh, crap, you know, Ronda got attacked backstage and, you know, oh, Natty's going to take her spot. Mm -hmm. Have Natty win the title and then it comes back that, you know, oh, shit, it was Natty who attacked Ronda Rousey. Right. That way you give Natty, you know, that moment of, you know, winning the title for her for her dad, and then, you know, then you can move on. Right, right. Like, they should just fuck, called an audible and been like, alright, fuck it, Natty's winning the goddamn title because
0: <laughs> we need is... some
1: feel-good moments here,
0: guys. Right, yeah. Yeah, alright, so now we move on to the end of the show and a super-duper clusterfuck. You've got it. Was bad, wasn't it? I picture Vince McMahon going, hmm, Roman and Strowman. I can't have anybody job in that match because they both give me a hard on, pal. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns became about everyone, but Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. There was that that point in that match where I'm sitting there watching. Everyone's on the
1: everyone's on top of the cage, and I'm like, uh, "What the fuck going? is
0: yeah? What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> isn't this the, a championship match? These like, two, these two guys have put each other through tables, wrapped each other up with chairs, and they're just laying there for fucking ten minutes in the ring while everybody else is fighting around them. Like the match just—I I don't know—it was like. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I said, it was it was a match that was between two guys that became about everybody but those two guys. And then the whole Lesnar thing kind of pissed
1: me off because you have Lesnar come out, which was a cool moment. Yeah, okay, that's great, cool. Like, Lesnar, it was a surprise. But then he gives the fucking F5 to him, and then it's like, oh, these two cannot compete. They mm-hmm. cannot continue. It's like, well, if that was just his finishing move. Why can't they continue? It's not like... Like, we just saw
0: fucking... Because in the modern WWE, part-timers are better than full-timers.
1: But we just saw fucking <laughs> Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler fall off the goddamn cage. Right. Through yeah. things like that would be something that, like, all oh, these two cannot continue. Not the goddamn F5. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that match was... I don't usually like to be bitchy or moany or complain, but... The okay, I want well, to say. Well, stupid is stupid. The, yes, everybody else involved: Ziggler, McIntyre, Rollins, Ambrose, and even Lesnar. Everybody else in the match did a great job and held up their end of the bargain. But the two guys that were in the actual match, it it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing, and it was a non-finish for the sake of a non-finish and i thought it was garbage i thought that the ended you ended a really good show on a really bad point, a really bad note
1: i guess my question, why did that need to be inside of the hell in the cell yes yes
0: both hell in a cell matches tonight did not need to be in hell in a cell <laughs> it,
1: it, you <laughs> yet, know what it yet, almost yet. felt like it felt like they're like well we need to have something really cool for brock what can we do oh let's have him kick the fucking well, door open. And th-
0: that's the problem with Setting pay per views, set, setting matches based on the name of a pay per view instead of having a match because of the feud. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem with the fact that we have a Hell in a Cell pay per view. Because before, it was, mm. oh, we have found a feud that deserves to be in a Hell in a Cell match. Example Shawn Michaels and Undertaker or Undertaker and Edge. Um, yep. Now, it's, well, every September, we got to have a couple of guys that we're going to put in the hell. And it it doesn't, it it decreases the validity and the importance of the match by having it be, that is the hell in a cell pay-per-view.
1: Right. And whether, and whether you, you time, you, uh, paint the fucking thing, red, blue, orange, green, it doesn't really fucking matter. Mm -mm. It's, you know,
0: it looks cool, but what's the purpose?
1: Yeah, it, it's still, it's still fucking a hell in a cell for the sake of having a hell in a cell.
0: Hallelujah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, which, that,
1: that Which, like said, I said, that, my biggest problem with it wasn't the fact that, I'm glad Brock Lesnar showed up. But he looked fucking strong and kicked the fuck open. But like I said, the fact that this is a hell in a cell and, and nothing ends the match except a pinfall and a submission. And then.
0: They throw it out. Yeah, and actually, if you think about it from a logical standpoint, realistically, if, if wrestling is real, they tried the referee in the first Hell in a Cell match tried to throw it out.
1: And I, but I'll give that credit because I like the fact that referee's like, "Goddamn, Jeff's hurt," and fucking Randy Orton's like, "Nah, no. you need to fucking pin him."
0: Yeah, no, let me get my pin first. Yeah, good heel move. All right. Well, we are going to take a break. That is our Helena cell discussion. Kyle, I'm going to let you go first. You're going to be the first uh, first okay. one to do the mixtape here tonight on episode 50 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And we will be right back after this with more of the show. Alright, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Kyle here with you on episode 50. And we are going to, I think, um, since Aaron was feeling under the weather, for our opening segment on the next show, I will make it so that he, we don't have to talk about the modern products, since he likes to bitch about that anyway. And we'll let him do his mixtape as the opening segment for next time's show.
1: Sounds like a good idea to me.
0: All right. Yeah, I I don't know. just want to be fair to him. And, you know, but before you start, something I'm going to present to him because he likes to bitch about the modern product and so does a lot of the internet wrestling community. And I'll get a lot of hate. But my, my opinion to the internet wrestling community, to be perfectly honest, because I don't... I find I find a general discomfort with the modern product a lot of the time. But I watch it. And like I've said before, this is to me, this is the only era in wrestling that I've ever been more intrigued. Like, I go into every single pay-per-view because of the storytelling, thinking I'm going to be disappointed. And then these guys just put on one fucking hell of a show. Right. Every time. Like, it's the only time in wrestling I've ever seen it where... The matches, it, the, the angles don't matter because the matches are so good. But, but my, my proposition to those in the internet wrestling community that do not like the Modern Product is you need, if you want to force change, you need to literally stop watching. You need to stop watching Raw. You need to stop watching NXT. Anything. You need to stop subscribing to the network because if not, All Vince McMahon thinks is, well, you're still subscribing to my network, you're still coming to my shows, you're still watching Raw, you're still watching SmackDown. So, uh, essentially, my point is, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't watch it and then bitch about it. Just don't watch it at all.
1: Right. I mean, the thing is that, you know, there is a lot of bullshit that happens. But for the most part, it's... Look, she, this is this is the issue, okay? She ain't what and, she used to be. But no, it's and, not, I, it's and not I understand that. that but bad. here, here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to say. And you know, I know we're going to get to our our mixtapes here in a second. But look, the, the fucking world is a horrible place. All right, there's a lot of bullshit <laughs> going on. We're on the verge of blowing each other up. Goddamn, we're never going to have intelligent life. Or intelligent conversations with intelligent life outside of our own fucking universe because we're on the verge of blowing ourselves up and people are getting out of their fucking cars, doing (laughs) goddamn challenges, and then getting hit. You know, the world's a fucking horrible place. Go on the internet. You'll fucking see it all. So for a few hours each week, you know, we like to talk about pro wrestling because goddamn, it makes us feel good. Right. And you know what? Yeah, maybe wrestling isn't fucking what it used to be, but... I mean, I don't know.
0: Fucking enjoy it. Exactly.
1: Just realize it is what I mean, it is. There it's is not no meant other, to be...
0: There is no other form of entertainment in the world that has fans like wrestling fans. No. Cause... Think about it. You used to have a guy,
1: a mentally challenge guy, that would swing a fucking two-by-four around, yelling ho, and people are like, oh, these are gladiators <laughs> of the sport. No, it's always been like this. This is what or, wrestling
0: is. When there's It's a... two. When there's a bad sitcom, people just don't watch the sitcom and it gets cancelled if they don't like it when there's a bad you know i mean there's a reason that that guy tough tough man contests or guys tossing kegs and pulling trucks is on at two o'clock in the morning on e s p n two It's because people don't watch it so wrestling fans are the biggest gluttons for punishment I've ever seen in my life because they hate the product, but they keep watching it, and I just don't understand like if you hate it that much, stop it. you right. know I mean that's what we did that's what well, a lot of people, not me i I watched through the brutal days of nineteen ninety five because God damn it, I'm a monster <laughs> but that's what a lot of people did in 1995 is they stopped watching the WWF and it forced Vince McMahon to do things he would not normally do to get viewers. And if you don't force his hand, he's not going to change.
1: Right. I mean, and if you're not going to do it and you're just going to keep watching, then shut the fuck up because I, we watched WCW through the 2000s.
0: Right. And I think that tonight <laughs> So, to, yeah. Well, and if you noticed tonight during the show, they really, the, the, it was a random Hell in a Cell pay per view, but to comment on it just one more time, everybody really turned it up a notch, including the booking. And I don't know what, if that has to do with this or anything, but I don't know if you've noticed, but for like the past probably th- six to seven weeks, SmackDown has only filled the arena by like half right and i don't i don't know that this this good show tonight is not a response to that if vince mcmahon sees that shit is bad vince mcmahon turns up the volume yep he's not stupid you know this is the guy that created what we watch today no matter what company is promoting whether it's mlw tna lucha underground ring of honor they all take something from what Vince McMahon. You know, they can diss Vince McMahon all they want, but every single one of these fucking companies does something that Vince McMahon has done over the past 30 years. Well, and not to so, even
1: mention that, but okay, look. You know, the fact is that All In was great. It was fun. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed it. But the fact is that they're not consist, you know, they're not doing that, you know, consecutively each week like WWE is.
0: Right. And you know and I'm not trying to diss all in. It was a decent wrestling show. My analogy of it was if you are looking for a pay per view independent wrestling style show, it was great. It had everything an independent wrestling show has, it had a match with a high spot, it had some dick jokes. It had a women's match. It had a tag team match. It had a hardcore match. It had the Booker putting himself over in the championship match. But overall, it was just a really big independent show. And I think that that show, again, I'm not hating on it. It was a good show. But All In is only getting as much praise as it's getting because the internet wrestling community wants to praise something that isn't WWE.
1: Yep, and the fact is that when WrestleMania comes around, everyone books their shit around fucking WWE. That
0: that and everybody that was in All In is going to be at WrestleMania, and they're going to be at the Raw after WrestleMania. Yep. But they're going to bitch about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So anyway,
1: anyway. Just, I guess my, I'm, I'm with you, just shut up and fucking enjoy it. Let your suspension of disbelief fucking go for however long... Because at the end of the day, guys, guess what? It's a fucking work. Yes.
0: And that's not to say we can't have conversations about the show. And that's not to say we can't be critical of it. But I just get so sick and tired of people constantly complaining about how bad it is, but still watching it. It it really annoys me. Like, I, I think you can complain about certain things about the show, like Hell in a Cell. You know, we gave credit where credit was due. There were some fantastic matches on the show. And then we dogged that main event because that finish was bullshit. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You you can criticize, but to be eternally critical of something that you still religiously watch every week is just silly to me.
1: Well, and here's the other thing. This isn't 1998. This isn't fucking... Even two thousand six, where it was fifty dollars for every pay per view, you're getting every pay per view for nine ninety nine a month, plus all the goddamn extra shit that goes with yeah, it.
0: All the shit you all liked, the, all the shit you liked back in the eighties and nineties, you can watch it.
1: So you know it's really not cost you. You're pretty much getting the pay per views for free because yeah. whether I, I, the pay per views were on the WWE network or not, I'd still own it because I, of all the old
0: shit. I, well, yeah, I tell my wife every single. I tell her all the time. WWE Network is the best $10 I spend every single month. Yep. I mean, cuz I like you said, I get to watch all the modern pay-per-views and I can go back and watch the shit I really like from the 80s and 90s. So, yeah. Eh, I don't know. Just wanted to get my little bitch out there about the uh the in in, in- internet wrestling community and their bitchiness.
1: Yeah, we love them. <laughs> they're they're fucking great. Yes,
0: they, they yes. And now Tell me, Kyle, if you were going to make a mixtape of matches, angles, any promotion, any time frame, anything, what are you putting on that bitch?
1: All right. So here's what we're going to have to do, because this is, there's no way we could do this in fucking order, because it's, you know, this isn't going to be your traditional fucking pay-per-view thing where, you know, goddamn, you have opening matches and everything else. So for all intents and purposes, just they're not in any order. Mm-hmm. All right, but the first thing that I would put on there is I would put on there uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart from uh, SummerSlam 1994. Cage match. Yes. Such a good fucking story, such a good
0: match. Possibly, I mean, you'd have to go back through and look through a lot of matches, but possibly the best cage match ever. Not a drop of blood.
1: Nope. And it was it was perfect because you had the Hart family there, you had Nightheart there, you had the story that anybody and everybody could fucking believe in. The two brothers, who's the better of the two? Right. And we're gonna put it in a cage so that way nobody can interfere, and we'll find out once and for all who's the better of the brothers.
0: Mm-hmm. Good match.
1: Very good match. Good match. I. If again, I if you if if you guys have not watched it in years, go back and watch it. Watch that whole pay-per-view. It's fun. Even though fucking Undertaker versus Undertaker's kind of yeah. corny, it's at the, fun.
0: At the beginning of the show, it's great because uh they host they introduce Vince McMahon introduced the host of WrestleMania or Summerslam 94 and it's the Macho Man Randy Savage. And he comes to the the ring, and he he says, "I'm gonna go do the thing in the ring." And Vince McMahon says, "He's gonna do the thing in the thing."
1: <laughs> and and also one person, Liam Neeson. Yeah, Leslie or not Liam Neeson, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. I knew what you meant. So yeah, so that right there is worth the fucking price of admission.
0: I'm on the it's, case. <laughs> and he's standing on the case. It's you know, it's one. I fucking love that kind of humor anyway. Slapstick humor, and, and
1: I and I love the stuff. the beginning or the lead up to that when he was like, I was at the at the pool catching rays. He's like, sorry, Ray. He's like, the women were feeling macho. We're like, hell, macho. He's like, easy. It's family entertainment. <laughs>
0: oh fuck it's so great but yeah brett Nowen, great main event for that pay-per-view because we like to ignore the undertaker undertaker match so brett and Owen was the main event yep and um yeah an awesome cap off to an awesome feud
1: all right so next what i would do is i'm going to go to sasha banks versus bailey from nxt takeover Whew,
0: good stuff
1: You want to talk about women's wrestling, women's revolution, this right here is it.
0: Well, I mean, and to be honest with you, and I've said this for three years, four years, probably four years, probably since either 14 or 15, one of the two, I am a huge fan of Drew McIntyre. I am a huge fan of AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, um, Seth Rollins. Uh, Dean Ambrose, I think that Bell to Bell, in pro wrestling right now, when given a main event opportunity, given a highlight match, I don't know why she's so underutilized, I think that, and it's the first time I've ever said this, the best wrestler in the world is a woman, and it's Sasha Banks. Mm Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks is the best wrestler in the world right now. She's not given the opportunity to show that. But if you watch that match between her and Bayley, you'll see it. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with your decision to put that on your mixtape because it's a great match.
1: And like I said, it's, that is, it's women's wrestling at its finest. Mm-hmm. It's fucking heel versus baby face at its finest. There has been very few matches in this modern era where I fucking, you know, felt the fucking baby face that, you know, I was almost in tears when she won.
0: Like people like to mock Sasha when she brings up Eddie Guerrero, but in the ring, she really does personify the work ethic of Eddie Guerrero. Yep. And yeah. Like I'm not as big a fan of Bailey as I am of Sasha. I love Bailey when she works Sasha. Yeah, because
1: it's uh, it's that perfect baby face.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not near as big a fan of her as Sasha, but yeah, you're right. That match is gold. It's gold.
1: Well, and I think really, truly, it's it's what has worked all these years. You listen to Ric Flair. The reason why he had so many great matches is the heel leads the match. Right. And if you have a good heel who knows what they're doing, then they can lead a baby face to a great match.
0: And, and I truly and believe you, and, that Sasha and, led Bailey to a great match. And you support that with a grid
1: with a good story. Yes. Absolutely.
0: Wholeheartedly agree.
1: All right. So now we're gonna shake things up a little bit. We're gonna have ourselves a Piper's Pit. Oh. Yep, we're gonna be doing a Piper's Pit with Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania twenty one. <laughs> God damn do I love this Piper's pit.
0: Me too. The two guys shoot on each other. Mm hmm. And then Carlito comes down. Yes. And one of the one of the best lines of the whole thing goes to Carlito, actually. And I'll let you I I'm I'm kind of taking over here, but I just No 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 it go it, ahead. It has always stuck out to me. Cause Stone Cold it's either Stone Cold or Piper. One of the two says, because uh, Carlito tells them, "You you two need to go on down to the back."
1: And, and I think it's Piper that
0: says. One of them says, "So you just want us to go ahead and uh, and get out of here, then?" And Carlito goes, "I don't care what you do, <laughs> just just get out of here." <laughs> uh, and
2: but,
1: like I said, the great thing about it was not yeah. only do you have Stone Cold and Piper, or you know, but then you have a new guy who's new.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where Which it is, is... How, you,
0: how you used to do things in pro wrestling. You use the bets to put over the new guys. Yep. And yeah, I mean Austin telling Piper with your little kilt, your little boots, your little fuzzy gimmicks. <laughs> Am I supposed to be intimidated by you? <laughs> and then what? Piper, you know Vince McMahon. You you like him, you hate him, you're for him, you're against him, you're against him, you're for him. Yeah. Well,
1: and like I said, it starts off great because you have Piper that says, welcome to Piper's pit, and slaps Austin. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then you have Austin who slaps fucking Piper. (laughs) He's like, thanks for having me, you little bastard. (laughs) And Piper's like, I think I like (laughs) you. Yes. And And honestly, and wholeheartedly, I've never been a big fan of Austin's wrestling. He's not... How do I don't want to say this where it doesn't fucking piss people off. Austin is not a great wrestler and well, ring technician.
0: Okay, okay.
1: He he was prior to the yes, neck injury. Yes,
0: that's what I was about to say. Austin got to where he was because he was one of the best. But after <sighs> but what? right, after the neck injury and when he became Stone Cold Steve Austin, he he he's actually probably next to Hogan. The best guy that worked his gimmick into making him better than he was. And the reason I say that is, you watch early Hogan, like Japan Hogan. He could wrestle. Mm-hmm. Same with Austin. He could wrestle. But once they figured out they didn't need to, because they were, they were their personality and their gimmick got them over more than their wrestling ever could, they didn't. And you know what? Fuck it. God bless them. You well know? and that's
1: what I was going to put on here is that I was more enjo- I more enjoyed Austin when he's interacting with the fans and the uh out of ring segments and stuff. Right. So that's why I you know like I said people would, you know, say, you know, Bret Hart versus Austin at Mania, which is great, but for my money Austin was fucking brilliant on the mic. Going toe-to-toe with somebody.
0: Yes, I will say this, not to do any spoilers. Yeah, the only... There's not an Austin match. <sighs> there's not an Austin match on my list, but there's an Austin segment on my list. Because mm-hmm. he was a fantastic sports entertainer, more than he ever was an actual bell-to-bell wrestler.
1: Exactly. But, speaking of pro wrestling, we're going to go to one of the greatest matches, I, in my personal opinion, of WCW. Okay. We're going to go Macho Man versus Diamond Dallas Page from Spring Stampede 1997.
0: Good match.
1: Very good match. These two fucking tear it up.
0: And once again, it's one of those things where the match was great, but it was even better because before the match, they told a great story. Yep. Like, that is that is honestly, out of the entire history of WCW, that is one of the greatest feuds in WCW history. And the funny thing is, from what I understand from listening to different podcasts and stuff, a lot of the people in power, like a Bischoff or a Sullivan or whatever, didn't even want it. Um, Savage said, I want to work with DDP. And that's how it started. Because, you know, he had a fucking, s- fucking uh, stroke. So, that's how it all started. He said, I want to work with DDP. And it turned out to be one of the best pieces of business they ever did. And I I, I don't remember... I, I'm a, I've i always been more of a WWE F, WWF, WWE guy. Um, whereas my brother was always a more of a WCW guy. And... I don't remember WCW things. Like, I have a great memory for WWF. Like, somebody asks me what, what pay-per-view did this match take place and what happened and everything, and I can rattle that shit off like nobody's business. I'm not like that with WCW, but Page and Savage is something from WCW that is like that for me because it was so good.
1: Right. Speaking of WCW, we're going to go to. We have mentioned that that it was one of their best feuds. Now, in my opinion, we're going to go to a feud that I think was even better. Mm. Okay, so st- starting off, we're going to have ourselves a uh, battle royal cruiserweight match. I know where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> SummerSlam 1998. We have a cruiserweight battle royal match. Chris Gere goes out there doing fucking commentary as all the wrestlers come out and <laughs> it's goddamn gold. And he, the last two wrestlers come down to he single says, pay. He says,
0: just for the record, he says, L Dandy looks like Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> just just to, just, to get that out there and make sure that it's it's recorded for posterity. That's fucking funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it comes down to Cinco versus Juventut Guerrera. Uh-huh. And Juventut and Cinco have a conversation. Juventut jumps over the top rope, and everyone's like, What in the hell? Cinco play unmasks himself, and it's Dean fucking Malenko. And, it and is, the crowd goes it, goddamn nuts.
0: It is one of the biggest pops in WCW ever. Ever. because Because up to this point.
1: D. Malenko says, I'm going home, and you had Jericho out there for weeks bad-mouthing him, bad-mouthing his dad, Boris. Mm-hmm. And then we go on to a cruiserweight match, and Dean beats Chris Jericho. And like any great story, it continues on because Jericho says, well, no, that's not fair because I wasn't ready.
0: Yeah, and he was blah, pretending blah, blah. to be somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, it's it's, it is, it's funny because <clears throat> with all the moments of WCW, especially during the Monday Night Wars, when WWE now talks about WCW and they present things from WCW and everything, they forget this for some reason. And I don't know why because this is, from what I remember back then, to be honest, this was one of the biggest... Most over moments in that entire run in WCW. Yep. Like people loved them some Dean fucking Malenko and Chris Jericho.
1: And it fucking it like I said, and they were not they were not top stars. That's mm-hmm. the thing people don't seem to understand is that they fucking did this when you had Macho Man. You had this is nineteen ninety eight. You had Goldberg. You yeah. had Sting, you had Hogan, you had Macho yeah, Flair, you had,
0: everybody. You had the NWO. Oh, and yeah.
1: still and still fucking Demon Lincoln and Chris Jericho were able to have as big a fucking reaction being a mid-Carters and probably a better fucking story than most of the other guys.
0: <laughs> Not probably. Definitely.
1: Well, uh, definitely. <laughs> Alright. So I think it's time that we have ourselves another uh in ring promo and All stuff. Right. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to have the the reformation of the Four Horsemen and the return of Ric Flair to WCW after his lawsuit.
0: Fire me. I'm
1: already fired.
0: fired.
1: (laughs) Fucking Arn Anderson is fucking brilliant in this.
0: Oh, yeah, when he's like, what a goof. Yeah. What a goof. I almost forgot.
1: (laughs) Does the emotion on Flair's face... It's it's fucking brilliant.
0: It's like Bischoff says, controversy creates cash. You know, they took something that was a real-life situation, and they translated that into high-rated, good-money television.
1: Yep.
0: And it's hard to believe when you watch that Nitro. It's from September of 1998. It is hard to believe that within six months that company was fucking... (laughs) <laughs> T- tits on up. the down spiral. <laughs> <Yeah>, it <tits up. laughs> It's fucking amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. But that was a great. That was that may be the last great moment of WCW. It might
1: that? be. I fucking. <laughs> you know, and real quick to go on a fucking side tangent here. Arn Anderson was so goddamn good on the mic. He doesn't get his fucking credit. No, he doesn't. I love him in this fucking thing when he's like, you know, fine. If you guys want it, fine. Careful what you ask for, because we don't wear white hats. We're mm-hmm. not good guys. Mm-hmm. You want the four horsemen back, are you sure, you know?
0: Right. Good stuff.
1: Alright. So then from there, we're gonna go to Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 25.
0: Alright, so you finally hit something that's on my tape. Mm. <laughs> it is the I don't know if you'd ever call it the greatest, I don't know, because again, wrestling being art and art being subjective. I don't know if, if, if everyone would call it the greatest match of all time, but I will definitely say this. I don't know that anybody would argue that it's not the greatest WrestleMania match of all time.
1: The fact that you have the light versus the dark. You have Shawn Michaels ascending from heaven. You have Undertaker rising from hell. One's wearing white. One's wearing black. Mm-hmm. And then they go on to have... Just... <sighs> Fuck. It's, it's Shawn Michaels and Undertaker WrestleMania 25. Two, two, it's two, fucking
0: good. Two of the greatest of all time in front of 70,000 people having one of the greatest matches ever. And... To, again my opinion the best Wrestlemania match ever um, and granted, granted full disclosure Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time but these two guys did everything that pro wrestlers are supposed to do to have a good match they put it all in one match and it's the best if you're a wrestling fan it's the best 25 minutes you'll ever spend.
1: Yep. Absolutely. All right. So from there, we got three left. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be matches, and they all, to me, tell a fucking story. Um, oh, fuck it. So first off, we're going to go. Personally, this is one of my favorite matches of all time. It's Triple H versus Cactus Jack at Royal Rumble 2000.
0: A great match. Uh, it's... With a great build, and once again, it is. You know, I, I, I say this all the time, and but you look at the beginning of Austin when he won the championship, and he wrestled Mick Foley, and you look at you look at The Rock, and he wrestled Mick Foley, and you look at Triple H, and he wrestled Mick Foley. A lot of people. Made their main event reputations wrestling McFoley, and not even just them, but edge orton, right, right, yes, yeah, so many people and this this match this ser- this series, but most importantly, to be honest, this match was what made triple H as a main event guy, like he was the champ, but people weren't sure about him being the champ, and yep. then they put him in this program with Foley and Mick Foley and I'm not saying and I'm not discounting the talent of Triple H. Triple H is a great wrestler as much as people like to hate on him. To me to be honest, you look at his body of work and he really will go down as one of the best of all time. Not as good as he thinks he is. He's not the greatest of all time like he thinks he is, but he will go down as one of the best of all time and Mick his series with Foley, especially this match is one of the main reasons why he did not quickly become irrelevant as a champion.
1: And this is at a time when Austin is gone right. because of a neck injury. And the fact that they were able to do this, mm-hmm. the fact that they were. Because it. Really, at this time, you know, this was the beginning of The Rock rising to fame. This was the beginning of, you know, um, Jericho and all that. It was the beginning of the rise. You had all these guys coming up at the same time, all wanting that spot. Right. And it just, it's so fucking good. And, you know, and quite honestly, this is one of my favorite times. I like the Austin era. Don't get me wrong. It's great. The problem is that it was so fucking bland because you knew Austin was going to win the Royal Rumble. You knew... I mean, it, you know, in 1998, it was all about Austin. You knew Austin was going to be the centerpiece. And at this time, it was who knows who's going to be the centerpiece.
0: It was kind of like that time after, like, 93 after Hogan.
1: Yes. And I just, I like those eras. I like that those times when it's like you can't really call it.
0: Right. Yeah, it's, it, wrestling's fun when it's not predictable. All right, so from
1: there, we're going to go to a match that I think that in, it chances are it might be on your list. It might not be, but uh, we're going to go to WrestleMania 17, the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys.
0: It is not on my list, but it's a very good call.
1: It's a fucking TLC match. It is the fucking out, the coming out party for all three of those teams.
0: Actually, they would be able
1: to fucking hang their hat on that for years to come.
0: That that match is, is an unfortunate unfortunately wonderful thing. And I'm going to say that to say this. Those those six guys, in their run as as opposing tag teams in the WWE, did stuff that no one had ever seen before. They innovated the business. They made They changed the business. They they wowed us. Like, you would watch those matches back then with wonder and amazement as a wrestling fan. Like, this is some of the coolest shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Okay, so that was 2000 and 2001. In 2018, I want to line them all up and smack them across the face. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because now... I mean, evidenced by tonight's pay per view or any pay per view you see now. How commonplace is it for someone to take a table from under the ring, or how commonplace is it for someone to get a ladder out and fucking jump off of it? Yep. it? It 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 innovated so much, and they deserve so much respect, and they deserve so many props. But like I said, on the other hand, you're just like fuck. You desensitized it forever.
1: Yep. Well, and like, and like I said, it's not so much of the fact of the the pay per view itself or the match itself, the uh, crazy spots. It's the fact that like those guys rejuvenated the tag team division. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And I'm not hating on it at all. No, no, yeah. I, I I look at everything. I look at everything in in the moment. Um, as you get older, you realize time is a weird thing, like. Time is just so weird. Like I watched I watched the main event from February, I think it was February 3rd of 1989 today. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage when they first start building the build for WrestleMania 5 and Savage goes ape shit on Hogan back in the back and Liz's and the and, and I know i'm getting off 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 topic here, but no no, no. what yeah. i what what i what I'm saying to younger people is you as you get older, time is a weird thing because to me that watching it it doesn't seem like that long ago no, it like, doesn't, but when I was ten and somebody would and w w f would show a match on t v with Bruno San martino. And this is 1988 and this match happened in 1981 and it was only seven years ago. I'm like, Jesus, this is old. What are these old guys on TV for? Time is a weird thing. And that's why I say I look at everything now at its moment in time. And when it comes to that match at WrestleMania 17, I can watch that today and if my son watched it he would go okay well that's what i see every week when we watch wrestling dad but when i watch it i see holy fucking shit <laughs> you know like it's still it's still fresh in your mind even though it's it's fucking what 18 years ago 17 years ago and and then because of that because that's still fresh in your mind When I'm watching it, watching Edge go through a table because of Bubba Dudley is different than watching Roman Reigns go through a table because of Braun Strowman.
1: Exactly. Well, and a perfect example is like WrestleMania uh, 10, Sean versus Razor. mm Mm-hmm. By, by the standards, that ladder match would just be... It a, was
0: revolutionary then. We had never seen anything like that.
1: It was Ever. fucking crazy. Yes. It was nuts. Yes.
0: You watch now, it now and it a, seems tame.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. And then finally, this would be the main event. This is going to be the last match to be, I think, if you have a wrestling mixtape, this has to be the main event because there's never been and there never will be a better fucking story than between these two. Vince McMahon versus Hulk Hogan WrestleMania 19.
0: It has one of the most iconic moments to me in wrestling history. Yep. Vince McMahon <laughs> and looking over <laughs> the ring apron into the ring with his beady eyes and his evil expression at Hulk Hogan and it also has one of my best my favorite commentating lines ever when they're outside the ring and Vince is going up on top of that table and he's going to jump jump down onto the he's going up on top of the ladder he's going to jump down onto Hogan through the table Taz says well if you're going to do it old man do it (laughs) (laughs) iconic
1: Uh, and like i said the build up to this is you have a story that is real 20 years in the making
0: real yes when they cut when they cut promos on each other that shit was real like Vince, vince mcmahon saying you tried to put me out of business
1: you know, That's, it's Vince McMahon saying, I made Hulkamania, and Hulk saying, no, I made Hulkamania. Well,
0: and and, and with it, with men like that, in positions like that, of power, and the egos, you can say all you want every single day. and And I know they did. I know the, I know, you know, I don't know Vince McMahon, I don't know Hulk Hogan. But I know enough about them to know that those two guys have huge egos. And I know enough to know that when they were booking this, every single night, yes, yes, folks, they were sitting down with writers and they were putting this shit into promos and they were, they were organizing and orchestrating all of this for all of us to entertain us. But I promise you that they were very much semi-shooting about mm-hmm. this. Real emotion. ...went into this story. Vince McMahon really did think that Vince McMahon's ...or Vince McMahon really did think that Hulk Hogan... ...sold him down the river and tried to put him out of business. Yep. And Hulk Hogan really did think... ...that Vince McMahon was an egomaniac... ...that wanted to take all the credit... ...for his success. So yes, it was a story. Yes, they are quote-unquote friends. Yes, they can get along. Yes, they can work a match. They can work an angle... But there was a lot of real in that storyline. The
1: greatest rivalries have always been this. It's a tad of real mixed in. Yeah. Brett versus Sean. Dusty versus Rick.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Owen versus Brett. Brett, yes. I mean, you can say what you want about how much they loved each other. I mean, I love Aaron, but... You know, at the end of the day, we probably have some things that if if it ever came out in a professional thing, we could be like, "Hey, I want to work this into an angle because I've always thought, blah blah blah." You know, I've always yep. I've always thought that, you know, it in any kind of social situation, even though he shouldn't because he doesn't have a filter. Aaron tries to take over, <laughs> but I I mean, you know, I love him. I would take a bullet for him. He's my brother, but. Uh, you know he 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 tries too hard to take the spotlight, <laughs> but uh, but I mean you take that little bit of real. You know you take that even no matter how much you care for somebody, no matter how much you love somebody, everybody has something they resent everybody for. You know exactly. And, and the
1: best thing about it is it's like look, I'm going to call this out upon you. Because I know that you're going to call stuff out on me.
0: Right. And we're not going to take any of it personally because we're going to get big, fat, fucking paychecks. paychecks. When
1: it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like I said, to me, Hogan and and Vince, it is the greatest story ever told because it is truly the Austin-McMahon feud, but in real life. Right. And to me, like I said, if I was going to show a wrestling fan that that would be the match that I would end it with. But, like, check this out because this is two guys who built the WWF, made it what it is now, and the two are going to come against each other. It's the fucking irresistible force meaning the immovable object.
0: The Im- the irresistible ego meaning the immovable <sighs> ego. <laughs>
1: immovable ego.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So, you know, like I said, to me, it's it's hard not to... I know it's not a championship match or anything, but... It doesn't matter. No. So, sometimes championships don't mean as much as a personal blood feud like that,
0: so... Good mixtape. Thank you. And I would watch it. <laughs> and right now we will take a break. We'll come back, and but, I... Oh,
1: go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just to say, fans... Uh, anybody that listens to us if you've not seen Undertaker versus Shawn WrestleMania 25 the fact that it's on both of ours you should probably go fucking watch it.
0: Yeah, first of all, are you living under a fucking rock? And, se- <laughs> and second of all, go watch that shit as soon as you're done as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, by the way. Not now, but when I'm done.
1: <laughs> right. Yes, go go watch it cuz like I said the... There's a reason why it would spawn both of ours. So.
0: Exactly. That being said, we'll take a quick break. Because uh, Nate wants to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, it sounds. I sound like Aaron.
2: Let's smoke.
0: Well, smoke. Time well, for now you, smoke. Didn't, you haven't played fucking music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing that I love. I, I was joking I with him about that the other
0: day. I, was saying, I you know, I haven't let anybody in on what I'm watching on YouTube while everybody else is talking. <laughs>
1: Well, that's why I told him. I was like, you could tell when Aaron, Aaron gets done with his list, because he loses all fucking sense of fucking...
0: Checked out. Yeah. <laughs> just, as the executive producer, I need to talk to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up. <laughs> like, look, like, look, be... motherfucker, for three hours, could you be engaged, please? <laughs>
1: You'd be like, yeah, man, that Brett versus Sean match was really great. He's here in the background, fuck Cotton Eye Joe. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck are you doing over there?
0: (laughs) It's so true. And if we were in a a wrestling angle, I would bring it up in a pseudo-shoot interview. (laughs) So we will be right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Podbean. And uh, when we come back, I will do my wrestling mixtape here on episode 50. Of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Kyle and Nate here with you on episode fifty, wrestling mixtapes.
1: Yours is so good. fucking cool that we've done fifty.
0: Yours was good. I would watch it.
1: Oh, well, I got a feeling that yours is going to be great as well.
0: Well, to be perfectly honest, the last thing that I would have put on my mixtape was Shawn Michaels and Undertaker from WrestleMania twenty-five. So we will just knock that off the list because we have discussed it. And it's the best match. Uh, not Maybe not the best, again, maybe not the greatest wrestling match of all time, but definitely the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. So, if I'm giving you my wrestling mixtape, the first thing you're going to see, Kyle, is <sighs> the Dusty Rhodes Hard Times video. The Dusty Rhodes Hard <clears throat> Times promo Everybody that knows me knows that of all the people in professional wrestling, Dusty Rhodes, maybe not my favorite wrestler, but he was definitely my favorite promo. And that Hard Times promo, again, watch everything that you're watching within the time frame that it took place. Be be a cognizant of the fact as you're watching it in that moment in time. The Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo is... Possibly the greatest wrestling promo ever cut. You put Todd hard times on my family. You know,
1: I, and I got a feeling I'm going to say this a lot, but I'm kicking myself in the ass for not having that on mine because that is a very good fucking poll.
0: You got a worker that's been working at the factory for 30 years. You kick him in the butt, give him a watch, and tell him so, his <laughs> computer took his job. I mean, it is just, if you're a professional wrestler, and you are trying to relate to your face. audience. Yes, your audience. Could you speak better words than he spoke in that promo?
1: No. There's not there's not a way because it, it fuck who can who everyone can relate to that.
0: Yeah. Except Dusty Rhodes. Which is <laughs> <Boy. laughs> even greater. He's sitting, on his, he's sitting on his big fat paycheck talking about hard times, baby.
1: Hard <laughs> times because I put it on the field.
0: God bless him. Who's the best politician in wrestling, Vince McMahon or Dusty Rhodes? You know what I mean?
1: I got to say fucking Dusty Rhodes.
0: <laughs> he worked everything to his advantage, including the polka dots
1: yeah and i again fucking uh go back and listen to uh Eric Bischoff's podcast he talks about how fucking Dusty Rhodes was fucking man enough to take those polka dots and fucking wear them yep because he knew okay this is going to fucking get me
0: you know he national a, exposure and he was a fucking businessman yep And, yeah, so that promo, I mean, it just resonates with me. It's my favorite promo in wrestling history. Um, You talk about putting asses in seats. That's the point of a promo. And that, that match put some asses in some seats.
1: Well, and that was the thing, too. And I know that we have a lot of fans, and, you know, some of them are younger and stuff. And I don't mean to be that guy that's, you know, back in my day, but... Back then, you had to fucking be able to talk people in this, into fucking the seats because yes. they were running the same fucking towns.
0: The business was not like it is now. It was a house show business. Um, you were trying to put butts in seats, and you didn't make
1: jack shit unless people came.
0: Exactly, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't like the WWE is today, where the house shows are. <sighs> secondary or even the pay-per-views are second i mean it's it it, it, wrestling now is a tv show wrestling now is law and order criminal minds Uh, you know what i mean i mean it's just it's just another tv show yep back then it was not that way and dusty Rhodes could put some asses in some seats as jim ross would say an ass every 18 inches if you got a three-foot ass, you're a big motherfucker.
1: <laughs> and Dusty had a big fucking ass. Yeah, baby. And hard he shake that motherfucker and...
2: <laughs>
0: Dancing in polka dots, baby. Mm-hmm. Next on my tape would be my favorite ladder match of all time. And no, it's not Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And it's not even the TLC match from WrestleMania 17. I got a feeling I know what it is. And everybody who knows me knows what a big fucking mark I am for Eddie Guerrero. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it is Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match at SummerSlam 2005 for the custody of Dominic. It's a good match. It was a good match, it was a good angle.
1: Eddie and Ray go together like peanut butter and jelly. Absolutely. It was,
0: and and you know, a lot of people harken back to their Halloween Havoc 96 match as their best match. But I really think that this match was their best match. And I brought it up. I I mean, it's predictable. It's on my mixtape because I brought it up on this podcast probably 10 times. Because it is one of my favorite matches ever. Like, even forgetting the storyline, the match itself is fantastic, but you add the story in. And I think these two told a great story. They had a great storyline. And there was emotional investment. And the the drama surrounding the match and the match itself. I mean, it is two pros doing what they do. And it's it's probably... It it is in my top ten matches ever. And... If you're going to watch a ladder match, this is the match I want you to watch.
1: You know, I think with Eddie Guerrero and Ray, it is one of those things where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're the kind of wrestlers that they can have a match. And you're like, that was their fucking greatest match ever until the next one.
0: Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah, Halloween Havoc was great until, you know... The next match they had, and then until this. I mean, it's just, those two were made for each other. They
0: just kept topping themselves. And, I mean, you have two, you have, you have Rey Mysterio, who's one of the best bell-to-bell in-ring performers ever. And then you have Eddie Guerrero, who is, although people don't bring him up in the conversations like they should, I'm going to be honest, as far as, as far as captivating me and entertaining me and pulling me into the television, he is with me, with me as a sports entertainer. He's up there with Dusty and Austin and Shawn Michaels and um, The Rock. He is one of the top ten best entertainers in wrestling history. Like Eddie Guerrero, for me, is the fucking shit. Like he's on my list, man. He's my top ten. Like If you're going to tell me for the rest of your life you can only watch the the, the work, whether it be promos, matches, anything, of ten guys, Eddie Guerrero is going to be on that list.
1: Fair enough. And you've said time and time again that he is your feel-good
0: yeah, guy. Yeah, he is, he is. Heel or face, no matter what he is, I smile when I watch Eddie Guerrero. And up there with Owen Hart and Bobby Heenan, when I found out that he passed away, he's one of the few guys that I actually shed a tear, like literally. Yep. And I, I, don't, I don't get wrapped up in, in TV performers, actors, wrestlers, anybody like that, like personally, except for a select few. And when Owen Hart died, I cried. When Bobby Heenan died, I cried. And when Eddie Guerrero died, I cried. So yep. all right, so next on my tape is I mean when I did the recent episode of the show, um where I watched wrestling with my wife, who is eh, she's not a wrestling fan. Uh Shameless Plug, the my beautiful wife and co host of the Motley Soup podcast, <laughs> also available on Podbean. Kindle, um we did an episode of the show where I had her watch a couple of matches she watched some matches with me and we're going to do another one of those sometime soon but beside the point I took a non-wrestling fan who watches it casually with me you know she knows who people are but she doesn't really give a shit etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you want to find someone if you want someone in your life to watch a wrestling match what's the first match you have them watch Kyle? And and I'm going to tell you what it is for me, because this is next on my tape. It was the first wrestling, when her and I first got together, it was the first match she ever watched.
1: I know who, I know who, one of the guys in it. Okay. Was Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm.
0: Was it Undertaker versus Kane? No. It is Undertaker and Mankind. Hell, oh. in, hell in a Cell. That's the first match. Oh. If you want someone who's going, ah, oh, you watch that fake wrestling, to watch a match to prove that you ain't watching no fake wrestling. <laughs> God, yeah. You have them watch Taker and Foley, Hell in a Cell, from 1998. And. The the funny thing about it. Is. Not only for us wrestling fans. Is it. I mean you know. Taker Foley Hell in a Cell 98. For wrestling fans is. First of all old hat. But also. Holy ground. You know. That's, that is sacred ground. For a hardcore wrestling fan. But. but that but the reason you show it to a non-wrestling fan is because it's the it's the match that comes to your mind first when you want to say I want to prove to somebody who's not a wrestling fan that wrestling that wrestling is fixed but it's not fake.
1: Right. That is well like you said.
0: But yeah, that's um That's what you show a non-wrestling fan when you show them that wrestling is not fake. It's fixed.
1: Well, yeah, because just the, and try to explain them too. It's like this, we watched that live. Mm -hmm. Like at the time, no one knew.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember where I was when I watched that, you know? Like I was, I was with my buddy, um, a guy I grew up with. I was at his house. We were watching in at his attic. I mean, this is this is. I mean, uh, kids today couldn't understand, but we were watching in his attic on a shitty ass TV on pay per view, <laughs> thinking this is just going to be another routine pay per view. This match is going to suck. Cause we've seen it a million times taker and, and mankind and yeah, it was just, I mean, there was a lot going on there. Right.
1: Um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to change the subject real quick, but has it really been a year since we lost Bobby Heenan?
0: Yes. Uh, I was gonna, I was going to bring that up. Um, I was going to bring that up in part of my tape here, but yes, it was. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. That's all right.
1: I just, I happened to see the, what date it was, and that it had been a year, and I was like, Jesus.
0: Yes, the world, the world has sucked <laughs> for a year. For <laughs> but. All right. So next on my list after Foley and the Undertaker and the Hell in a Cell match at King of the Ring 1998, we're going to go to May of 1989. And there are listeners to this show because I, I know people that follow this show on Facebook and so I know how old you are and... Whatever. If you haven't gone on the WWE network and gone back in time and watched what our greatest matches, then you haven't seen. You may not have seen this. <clears throat> 1989. It's May of 1989. It is the last of a trilogy of some of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. You know, modern wrestling fans talk about Omega Okada and their trilogy of matches. But as an 11-year-old boy, I watched mostly WWF. But something that was in the NWA slash WCW at the time that captured my imagination was Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat. And what I would put on the tape would be their last match in 1989 of their trilogy of matches. And that is from WrestleWar89 in Nashville. Steamboat versus Flair. Steamboat versus Flair is the is the old wrestling fans equivalent to Okada and Omega for modern wrestling fans.
1: It's the stuff made of legend.
0: Yes, it's the greatest trilogy of matches ever. And the last match is my favorite because not only is it a fantastic match where Flair wins, but at this point in the angle, again, it's the story. But at this point in the story, they've gained a respect for each other. They don't quote-unquote hate each other anymore. They've fought each other so much that they've gained a respect for each other. And they have a fucking like 40-minute absolutely fantastic match. And then after the match, you have the Ric Flair-Terry Funk angle. Hmm. And so you have this amazing match to cap off this absolutely amazing feud. And then after it, you have what is a wrestling angle, like just a fantastic angle. And the whole thing is the complete wrestling package.
1: It it absolutely is, because... And that's the great thing about wrestling is you you've, you get that feel good moment for a minute,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's on to the next.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. And then the d- nasty dastardly heel takes that feel good moment away from you. So yeah, I mean if you if you kids have not gone <laughs> back and watched Steamboat and Flair from '89, all three matches the. Fuck, watch the entire feud. You can find it on YouTube. You don't have to search through the network. It's there. I'm sure it's there. Watch the whole rivalry and all three of their epic matches, and you will see what pro wrestling is supposed to be. Very, and had, good pick. I had a debate in my mind because I didn't... I had everything else picked, and I, I, I wanted to pick... Because I love Flair so much, I wanted to pick something that was his. And I had a decision. I had to decide whether I wanted to pick this or whether I wanted to pick Rumble 92. Oh. And I picked this because as much as Rumble 92 is awesome and as much as it's one of the greatest moments in wrestling history, I really, honest to God, think that Ric Flair's best moments occurred away from Vince McMahon. Even though Rumble 92 is is just one, uh, the Royal Rumble 92 match and the promo after it are are some of the best pro wrestling ever on television. (sighs) But Ric Flair's best, it's funny because he's one of the few wrestlers, but Ric Flair's best stuff was done outside of Vince McMahon's vision.
1: Well, and that's because, you know, you're talking NWA versus WWF. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're talking about, you know, Rick, the NWA was about a heel champion making the babyface contender. Yes. And it was reversed with uh, WWF. Right, because Vince McMahon
0: doesn't book that way.
1: No, and again, it's it's chocolate and vanilla, but, Mm -hmm. you know look at how many people that Ric Flair made
0: so yeah uh, yeah yeah and and, and like I said it was just a matter of if I'm making a mixtape and I want to put Ric Flair on it what Ric Flair do I want to put on it and it was that Ric Flair it was Ric Flair and Steamboat and that narrowly edged out Ric Flair 92 so the next thing on my tape We're going to an angle. We're going to a non-wrestling angle. Um, I do not exactly know. I didn't write down the date. But it is from 1997. It's shortly after WrestleMania 13. And it is to my... To anything I could ever say. In a non-match angle in a match that is or in an angle that is not a match or does not result from a match in the history of wrestling the greatest non-match angle ever done on television is the episode of raw where you have the steve austin bret hart ambulance angle yeah. mm. dude <laughs> dude <laughs> To me, more than Austin stunning Brett, or I'm sorry, Austin stunning McMahon, more than Austin. I mean, anything they did in the Attitude angle. This was the beginning of telling a wrestling story without even having to have a match. Like that entire sh- that entire two hour show revolved around this angle. Austin comes out at the beginning of the show. They did the, do the big countdown, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> they do an angle where Austin, you know, fucks up Brett's knee in the ring. And then there's the ambulance. Brett's getting put in the ambulance. He's not really hardcore, 100% a heel yet. But his heel brother-in-law and brother are... are it's just, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just the best fucking angle on TV. <laughs> they go over the cords. Oh, and my. And then watch his like, you idiot. <laughs> it is so fucking good. And then Austin's the ambulance driver and beats him up. We had never seen anything like that in 97. that's what I'm saying, folks. uh, Bischoff would say context is king. You look at this contained in the time, on the day that it took place. As a young, what, 97. As an 18-year-old wrestling fan, I was, my jaw was dropping at this. I've never seen anything like this. It was absolutely gold.
1: That is a damn good pick.
0: It's 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 probably in my top five episodes of Monday Night Raw ever. If if not my favorite episode, like I really like the Austin McMahon like the first episode after Austin becomes champion. I really like that episode. Um, I really like. I really to be honest to the modern era, I really like the episode where Lesnar comes back in 2012. Um but yeah, that that episode of Raw is probably my favorite episode of Raw ever. Is the Austin Brett Ambulance Angle Raw. You know, I think
1: that's probably my favorite Austin era.
0: Mhm.
1: When he was had just started becoming Stone Cold and there is a live wire, and if I can find it, I'll try to put it on the the uh, Facebook mm-hmm. where it was right before Brett decides to come back, and Austin's on there, and it's fucking gold, talking about fucking Brett, I'm saying you know I came, I came, I beat up Stu, I beat you up, down the dungeon. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, good times. That uh, we'll never get back. Okay. <laughs> so next, number six. Uh, my uh, mixtape is going to be what I call, maybe not even my favorite match of all time. But what I call the perfect wrestling match. It is on my top ten. If you go back and listen to the top 10 wrestling matches ever where we all did our own top 10, it's there. I don't remember what number, but it's there. It's not it's not number 1, but in my opinion it is the best. It it is it's not the best match of all time for my personal opinion, but to me it is the perfect wrestling match. Babyface heel, etc., etc. To me, the perfect wrestling match is from SummerSlam ninety one, and it's Bret Hart and Kurt Henning. I'm putting it on Again? my table. It's the per it's not my favorite match. It's not. my favorite match is is Sean is and Taker at twenty-five. But Bret Hart and and Perfect at SummerSlam ninety one is the perfect wrestling match. It is every single thing a wrestling match should be.
1: We talked a little bit earlier about Ray and Eddie being peanut butter and jelly. Fucking Brett and Mr. Perfect and Kurt Henning.
0: And unfortunately, unfortunately, they didn't get to do it as much as Eddie and Ray did.
1: No. But can you imagine...
0: Like if if Kurt would have been in, in better health... Well, first of all, what's crazy to think about, again, putting yourself in the context of time, if, if, if Kurt would have been in better health and not had to, you know, have a back injury and collect his insurance policy and all that, the outcome of this match could have been completely different. Actually, the match may not have even happened. But you th- I mean, even if you think about the match it does happen. And Kurt's in good health, and you put Brett over, and he wins the title. Imagine the fucking series of matches these guys could have had. Imagine the feud they could have had. And then, you know, you flash forward to a couple of years later at King of the Ring 93, and then they have a, a, you know, I don't think the match is better, but they have another classic. And like you said, I mean like you were, I think you were alluding to saying before I cut you off so rudely. <laughs> imagine what could have been with these two.
1: It it always felt like when you watched Brett and current heading wrestle it felt like this is the future. Right. This is what we're heading towards. It's not the big giant guys anymore. It's the more technical-based wrestlers. It's... For all intents and purposes, the reason why we have what we have today is because of guys like Brett and Mr. Perfect that weren't the giant Hulk Hogan's and everything.
0: Yeah, and they... I don't know. This match... I remember as a 13-year-old... Watching this match. My buddy's house. We're watching SummerSlam. And to be honest. At that time. 13 years old. I'm still a naive. Young. Wrestling fan who's. A Hulkamaniac. Okay. And. And. I mean, I've been watching since 83, when I was five. Uh, uh, to let everybody know, the first time, I, I actually got to meet Hulk Hogan in person. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture, Kyle, of me and Hulk Hogan. Yes. And I told him when we met, other than, you know, Zig Heil and I support the clan too, Um <coughs> I don't. It was a joke. It was a tasteless (laughs) joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway, to get close to Hulk, I had to do the Hitler symbol. So I did what I had to do. But um, I told Hulk Hogan when we met, I said, my first memory of pro wrestling is you. And he said, really, brother? He really did say that. Really, brother? And I said, yes, my first wrestl- my first memory of wrestling is right before you won the title from the Iron Sheik. You appeared on All-Star Wrestling. I was watching on some channel when, you know, 1983. I'm watching, and you and Bob Backlund fought the Samoans on a tag team match, and you weren't the champion yet. But the Iron Sheik was... Or something. I just remember you and Bob Backlund against the Samoans. And that was my first interaction with pro wrestling. And he said, brother, I don't even remember that. (laughs) And so my point is, from the beginning of my, my fandom of professional wrestling, it was Hulk Hogan. Okay? He was my first memory of wrestling. And that's why, when I was a little dude, I was a Hulkamaniac. I mean, that was all I knew. And then I saw this match at 13 years old in 1991. And I was blown away. And Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect changed the way I thought about pro wrestling. It it went from being a cartoon to being an art. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's why I would put that match on my mixtape. Anything else? I know you started talking and I cut you off like a rude fuck, like Aaron. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. Like I said, this is your list and everything. I completely understand. Um, like I said, to me, it is it is what the future held.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You look at the two and it how do I want to put this it's
0: it's, pretty much it's like watching trying to put it in perspective for another generation it's like watching okay I'm thinking about Modern wrestling in 91. This is like watching the series of matches that AJ and Joe had in ring of honor. 13 years ago. Yep. They're so
1: different, but yet so alike.
0: Right. You knew this is where it was headed. This is where it's going. And and I, it's it may sound silly to some, and it may sound completely familiar to others. Because I don't think he gets enough credit for establishing what wrestling is now. But it's like thinking back to like 2002, 2003. Okay? And let me just digress here for a second, and then I'll go on to my next match. No, no, go ahead, yeah. But you go to Ring of Honor in 2 God. 2003, 2004. I'm trying to get my time frame right in my mind. But you go back to that time and you watch and this guy does not at all get enough credit in modern wrestling for what he established in modern wrestling but you go back and you watch when Jamie Noble was James Gibson in Ring of Honor. You watch the matches he had with Samoa Joe, you watch the matches he had with other people. That is that is the basis. That is what these guys we are watching now looked to as well fuck me running. That's what wrestling should be. Jamie Noble does not get the credit for what he is in wrestling. Like, as far as establishing a, a style and establishing a, a norm, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, I mean, the guy that did that first was Jamie Noble. Yeah. So, a uh, uh, long story short, <laughs> very long story short, because we like long stories here on the Weekend Wrestle podcast. Just trying to put it in perspective for all generations that listen to the show Brett and Owen, long story short, was something very, very different. If not different, because, you know, I mean, Steamboat and Flare, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as the WWF, Bret Hart and Kurt Henning being in a major league intercontinental championship match at a major pay per view and a major spotlight. That was that was eye opening.
1: <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's, it's almost like having the blinders taken off.
0: Yes. Like, god damn, this is what it can be? Yes. Everybody's going ape shit Remember? when Brett wins the match. So yeah, perfect and Henning. Definitely a defining moment and definitely something I would put on my mixtape. Next, I got three more. Because Michaels and Undertaker, again, from WrestleMania 25, was uh, the last one on my list. So, the next one on my list also involves Shawn Michaels. And it would be... WrestleMania 21, Shawn Michaels, and Kurt Angle.
1: Oh! Oh, fuck. That is such a good (laughs)
0: fucking match. It is... And it is it is two guys from different schools of thought bringing doing what pro wrestling does best, and that is taking people with different schools of thought and being being able to form it into entertainment and making it work. That matches poetry. It is perfection. It's the best Olympic wrestler ever versus the best professional wrestler ever. Like, do you have a more idyllic match than that?
1: The sad part is we really never got too many more after that. Mm -mm.
0: Mm -mm. They had the match at Backlash, which was a decent match. But it was just a match with the purpose of, of giving... giving Sean his win back. It wasn't really anything more than that. It was more political.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But that match at WrestleMania 21 was the stuff of perfection. And <clears throat> once again, when my non-wrestling wife first got with me as a wrestling fan, I think probably... Uh, here's the funny story. I didn't get to relay this like I wanted to when we were talking about that Hell of a Cell match because we got off on a big discussion. But I I had her watch that, that Foley-Taker match, and the first thing she wanted to do, because we weren't living together at the time, obviously, we were just dating. Right. But one of the first things she wanted to do was borrow then, because this is before the days, folks, of the WWE Network. <laughs> She wanted to borrow my Undertaker career DVD that I had. So, anyway, what I'm saying is she wanted to borrow that because you you see something from a specific wrestler and that makes that person your favorite wrestler. Yep. So another one of the things that I showed her first when I introduced her to pro wrestling was that match. Angle and Michaels at 21 And it's like 22 minutes long and she watched the whole thing. And she also became a fan of Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. So, it is fantastic.
1: Like I said, this is... There's so much goddamn wrestling out there. Right. And that's the point. It's again, it's all subjective. And you know, I'm sure next time when we have Aaron's list, you know, we'll all go, "Oh fuck, I can't believe we didn't put that on ours." But
0: <laughs> right,
1: that's the point. It's there's so much out there, and
0: it's one of the best things about being a pro wrestling fan is you can you can have your favorite shit. And then your buddy can be like, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, God damn it.
1: <laughs> it was so hard to fucking do this.
0: Yes, yes. It took because me, it took me, when did we decide this? Like a week and a half ago that we were going to do this?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: It took me up until tonight at like 6.30 <laughs> to finalize my list. Because and I, and I like think you said, there's response, so much.
1: Yeah, I think your direct response was, Oh fuck! This is gonna take some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, it, and I'm then not... and then tomorrow, I'm gonna to get up and I'm gonna edit the show and I'm gonna to listen to it and I'm gonna go. Well, fuck! Why didn't I bring that up and why didn't I bring that up and and that's the beauty of being a pro wrestling fan. It's better than any other thing you can watch on TV. It's better than a TV show. It's better than a sport. It's, it, there's so much to choose from, and it encompasses so many different forms of entertainment that, I mean, you can't even stand it.
1: No, and that, that's the thing, it's, and we, again, not to go on, off on a tangent and everything else, we have said it time and time again, we're not fans of Joey Ryan, we're not fan. you know, mm-hmm. I respect fans who like Joey Ryan, I understand it, I get it. It's chocolate and vanilla. If you like a dude fucking flipping dudes over with his dick, then hey, so be it. You're still a wrestling fan. And I get it. Yes. I, I choose to not partake in it because I think it's ridiculous. But uh, the, the fact is that this is pro wrestling. It's No one says what it has to be, but yet everyone knows what it should be. Yes, you know what you—it's so fucking hard to tell to tell people you like pro wrestling because they're like, "Oh, that WWE," and you're like, "God damn it, it's not just WWE;
0: it's it's everything." I have two more on my tape, but since you're mailing out a tape to our listeners, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that um, is has Undertaker and Michaels on it. I'm going to add one to mine. Okay. I'm going to take Undertaker and Michaels off of mine. So my last one will be one that I added. It was actually because I had like five other honorable mentions that I didn't add to my tape. So I'll just add one of them. So anyway, the next one that was on my tape is from 2001. It is – and the reason this is is on my mixtape is it's a rarity – In our, it's a rarity in in especially the modern, well, any wrestling business. But for those of us that have grown up in Vince McMahon, let's be honest, we've grown up in Vince McMahon's world. If you're listening, (laughs) even if you're listening to the show and you're 50, you've grown up in Vince McMahon's world, okay? There's a lot of other shit that's on the sidelines and etc, etc, and there have been other competitors and blah, 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 but we've all grown up in Vince McMahon's world. Let's just be honest. Since 1985, this is Vince's world. You don't see this often in Vince's world, and that's why it's on my tape, and if you can watch it on YouTube, you should because it's really fun. It's about, I don't know, 12 minutes of TV. How about when Vince McMahon in 2001 on SmackDown before the Invasion pay-per-view let Paul Heyman shoot on him? Is that the stuff of legend or what? Just because Paulie was allowed to say whatever the fuck he wanted to say. You know, there's and he, moments and he. That- and he laid it in, folks.
1: <laughs> yes, he did. There is moments in time that are surreal, mm-hmm. and I, it, it's, it's almost passe to say that it's so surreal, but moments mm-hmm. like this, when Paul Heyman, who was the owner of ECW, is able to shoot on Vince McMahon. Woo. Yeah, equally as crazy is Eric Bischoff showing up on Raw. Yes, but we're not but, we're but, not talking about that. But uh, the point is that for us who grow grew up, like you said, in Vince's world, and been watching wrestling since the early '90s, you know, late '80s, and so on, and to have watched the the war between WCW, WWF. BCW and to see it all play out as it happened.
0: And then to watch someone uh, watch Vince. I, the, the, the craziest thing about it is to watch Vince let someone do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, <sighs> Heyman's comments are controversial their shoot, their whatever, their make-you-shit-your-pants, whatever. The craziest thing about the whole thing, and go ahead and look it up on YouTube, it's there, like seven people have it on their YouTube. They haven't been shut down yet by WWE. But anyway, if you watch it, if you're really a wrestling fan, the thing that you think isn't, wow, Paul Heyman said some crazy shit, the thing that you think is, wow, Vince McMahon let... Paul Heyman say that crazy shit. Yep. And I mean, it's probably the most that Vince McMahon have, has ever legit let anybody break him down on television. And it's tough. I mean, it's some tough shit. <laughs> so yeah, that sticks out of my mind is one of the moments that I put on my mixtape.
1: That's a very good fucking moment.
0: Now, the next one, and this is is the next one that was on my list, but not the honorable mentions. But because of Michaels and Taker, I'm going to move another one onto the list. But anyway, the next one that was on my list because it highlights, because I couldn't say, I want to take every funny moment from this guy and put it on the tape because that wasn't part of the project. So I'm taking what is the best of him and putting it into something he did in one night is listening to Bobby Heenan commentate at Survivor Series 93 during the Hearts versus Knights match. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Cause I, I can't take every, I can't, it's cheating to take every funny thing every comment from Bobby, every, you know what I'm saying? Like Bobby Heenan is, Bobby Heenan is something sacred and holy ground to wrestling fans. So I can't say, well, I want to take Bobby's whole promo work and put it onto one thing. I have to pick one moment. So I'm going to say jokes wise, humor wise, interaction with Gorilla Monsoon, just as a fan of his work in general, I'm just gonna pick that match and let that commentary stand for itself, right? Oh, is this the firefighter? <laughs> you know, and quite the, honestly, the the, Owen, the the eighth of however many kids jokes, and the, I mean, just watch that match. I mean, the match is is it is what it is. It's not great but listen to Heenan during that yep. match and you will laugh your fucking ass off for 40 minutes
1: you know the the, the greatest the greatest stick man watches Hall of Fame induction
0: oh man
1: you want to laugh
0: <laughs> I won't be insulted for it won't be insulted if you just throw cash. <laughs> <sighs> even
1: even when even when he couldn't speak, when he had all the infections and everything else, the man oh, yeah. was still
0: funny. he just put up he just put up his middle finger and be funny. Like there
1: there is a video where they're talking about his book. And they're talking about the British bulldogs, and they're talking about um, their, their their dog. Mm-hmm. And someone says, "Oh, didn't the dog bite you?" And you you hear him, and he he's motioning like, "No." He gives him the finger and says, "No." He humped me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and you can hear him, you know, make out like the damn thing humped. Right. Man it was so fucking funny,
0: and he died a year go To a year ago today, and uh, okay, if you didn't live through Bobby Heenan, even if you didn't live through Bobby Heenan, if you haven't watched Bobby Heenan, you're not a wrestling fan. Secondly, it, it is one of the few times. Where somebody passes away and you literally, as a wrestling fan, say in your head, wrestling will never be the same. It doesn't matter if he's been on TV for 10 years, 13 years, 20 years. Wrestling will never be the same without this man. Bobby Heenan, you know, and I was going to bring this up. I wanted to bring this up if Aaron was on the show, but I'm going to bring it up now real quick. You look at the 1980s wrestling boom. And the two most important people to that, no matter what anybody says, they can throw out Piper, they can throw out Savage, they can throw they can throw out any name they want, but they will never convince me that the two most important people to that. I don't care if it's I don't even care if Vince McMahon or Gene Okerlund. The two most important people to the '80s wrestling boom were Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan. Yep, because. Everything revolved around Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan because Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan were overall all around the two best performers of that era. Everything heel revolved around Bobby Heenan, whether it was Heenan's family, whether it was Heenan putting over a new heel, whether it was Heenan talking about Jimmy Hart Slick and all the other heel managers, whether no matter what it was, Everything heel revolved around Heenan, and everything face revolved around Hogan. Without those two guys, there that shit doesn't work.
1: In the history of wrestling, everyone has reconciled, reconciled, and became friends, and you know, and everything else mm-hmm. as far as like storyline mm-hmm. wise, everyone has come around and everything else. But Bobby Heenan and always hated. Hogan.
0: Yes. Whether Hogan was a face or a heel. Actually, Bobby Heenan spoiled the NWO angle. Yep. Without meaning to. Without meaning to. Just because he knew that his character, no matter what, no matter who heel or face, no matter what, his character hated Hulk Hogan. And when Hulk Hogan turned it heel, he still hated Hulk Hogan. Yep. So, yeah. And speaking of that... The next thing on my list was going to be the number one thing on my tape or the number t- 10 thing on my tape or whatever, which was Michaels and Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. So I took number 11, which was one of my honorable mentions, and threw it in there. And then it's Hulk Hogan joining the NWO.
1: <sighs> mm. You know, this is probably the biggest kick to myself in the ass. How in the fuck could I put a tape dealer without having this on there?
0: Yeah, so I could put it on mine?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, god damn. You're talking about a heel turn.
0: Well, and again, like... raised heel turn. Like I keep saying in this episode of the show, time frame. Like, nowadays, it may not seem like a big deal. But I want you to put yourself into 1996 I want you to put yourself into a time where most of us from the minute we were little kids four, five, six years old only remembered Hulkamania brother only remembered saying your prayers taking your vitamins, drinking your milk etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. only remembered the red and the yellow Hulk Hogan the movies yeah, yeah. Yeah, what Mr. Nanny. <laughs> Suburban Commando.
1: It, he was on he was on our fucking cereal boxes. He was on our cartoons.
0: And then he shit on our fucking moms heads and spit in our faces and joined the NWO and turned bad guy. And it was I don't even know anything in the modern era to equate it to. There isn't. I, no, it would be the equi. Let me tell you this, kids. If you are below the age of twenty five, okay. I'm forty. Kyle, how old are you? I am thirty one. All right. So even a nine year difference. Okay. I'm forty. Kyle's thirty one. The equivalent to Hogan turning heel is what would be. If you guys got your wish, and John Cena turned heel. That's how big a fucking deal this was.
1: Not even turned heel, but imagine, and I, okay, this is going to sound horrible as fuck, and I apologize right now, but imagine Hulk, imagine John Cena spitting in the face of a -a Make-A-Wish kid. Yeah. That is the level that this is.
0: Yes, it is. At that time in 1996, that's exactly what that is. It's like, that is like John Cena hocking a loogie in Connor's face. (laughs) It
1: it is, because that is what. For Hogan to come out and say that the fans can stick it,
0: it was unheard of.
1: It. It's still one of those things that gives you fucking goosebumps.
0: Yeah, it was. It
1: was. And I know, like you said, it, <clears throat> it probably don't mean like shit to most people now, but to see it live, to see it happen, mm-hmm. and to live through it not to know what the fuck is going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only other, other than Cena, the only other guy turning heel that I could equivalent it to would be um. Damn. I mean, it would either be John Cena or Rey Mysterio.
1: Yep. Well, think about it. They or tried Daniel to turn...
0: Bryan. Yes. Well,
1: they even tried to turn Austin heel and it didn't work. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what? To be honest, I'm going to be honest, and I've thought this from the time it happened, and I've really never said it. But it all that almost makes me think of Hogan as a better performer than Austin. I, you know what? I because, I gotta because, agree because Austin could never after he became the big baby face he could never effectively turn heel. Hogan did it, and it he, could it could have been time, it could have been booking, it could have been the way things are or whatever. But, but
1: you have a guy who's on the, the downswing of his career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For all intents and purposes, should pretty much be wrapping it up. Yes. People were tired of seeing the red and the yellow. And then he fucking turns heel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It has a, a fucking
0: Shocks resurgence. The world.
1: <laughs> Shocks the world. It does. You know, I got to honestly, for me, I enjoyed the Hollywood Hogan heel persona because he, when you had and hall, who were trying to be the cool heels. Hogan fucking knew exactly what he was doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was a chicken shit.
0: That's right. Uh, I, I think that I think that one of the reasons that. <sighs> okay. So let me say this and. Let the fucking arguments begin. But maybe the greatest heel of all time is heel Hulk Hogan. And the reason I say that is because he was the most popular, loved, esteemed, uh, all-American baby face of all time. And he turned heel. It's it's Superman. And he ate it the fuck up you could tell he loved every minute of it. It's so funny when they talk about, like, Bischoff and them talk about how hard it was to convince him to finally turn heel, and then you watch him, and you're like, this dude fucking loves this shit. Oh, yeah, because it's... (laughs) He loves it! it.
1: To be able to come out and... I mean, he has he had played the good guy for so long and seen so many good heels. Think of all the heels that he worked with.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, know. so many good heels and his heel turn is joining the NWO. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it is the equivalent of a pivotal moment. And like, WWE gets a lot of credit for Austin, but Hogan's heel turn is almost as pivotable, pivotal in wrestling as Austin becoming the anti-hero babyface.
1: And I think the problem, too, is that, like, when National Hall came to WCW, like, the, like I said before, they were the cool heels, like,
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like, they just got done being fucking Diesel and Razor Ramon.
0: Biggest faces.
1: And it it took Hogan turning heel for it to work. I don't think anybody else could have pulled it off.
0: No, like, they, you know, you listen to Bischoff, and he talks about how his backup plan was Sting, and for WCW, that would have been a big deal. But I don't think... Like, I think if Sting would have been the guy, if Sting would have been the third man, I think it would have been a big deal for WCW, but I don't think it would have been the pivotal turning moment in wrestling like Hulk Hogan. No,
1: I think you're right. I don't think that it would have been...
0: WCW WCW never would have had... They're 83 weeks.
1: <laughs> no. And like I said, it, it, uh, I got I to gotta believe that if it wasn't for the NWO, you wouldn't have had it on fire like it was.
0: No, not at all.
1: They wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. To me, I, I truly believe that you're right. Hogan was the greatest performer ever. He's fucking Hogan. I mean,
0: yeah. Yep, and it's um,
1: people say what
0: they want about Hogan and the
1: fact that you know he said some shit that you know.
0: Well, and that's what I was going to say. One of the biggest, most disappointing moments as a wrestling fan for me is the worst thing he ever did. It sounds funny in today's wrestling because kayfabe is dead or whatever. But the worst thing Hogan ever did was break kayfabe. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to see him as a family man with a wife and et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, you get the TMZ tapes where it turns out he's a goddamn bigot or whatever. And it's like, oh. and shit on my look, childhood. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so look, you know our hero our heroes always fall, I know.
1: Well but... and I always fall. I'm not trying to justify what he said. Please do not take that at all, okay? Nobody out there, please do not. Take this as I'm trying to justify what Hogan said, because it's not the case at all. But compared to like Bill Cosby or fucking OJ Simpson, it's pretty goddamn tame.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean he
1: didn't murder and, anybody. <laughs> you know <laughs> he said he said something on a tape.
0: Wait a minute, I it
1: under stress. And I've stated this before, and I'll, I'll say this again. I have a lot of friends who are black, who are African American, and the word that he used is not necessarily a term for African Americans. It's, it's more of a term for people who are basically bums and scus. and they'll they'll tell them tell you that themselves. And the fact is that Hogan has apologized and. It's not like he fucking killed somebody. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, was it wrong that he said it? Yes, absolutely. I don't justify that word. I don't think that word is right because, you know, it's the same thing with people flying Confederate flags. And they say, oh, it's heritage. Well, guess what? I'm part German, but you don't see me flying a Nazi flag because guess what? It's a fucking symbol of hate.
0: Yeah, and... But
1: should he be fucking ostracized and, you know, vilified because he said something stupid?
0: On tape. You know. And that's always my bit. But my thing about it is he said it on tape. Like, the fact that he said it recorded and. uh Huh? Yeah. The fact that he said it recorded and and didn't know it doesn't excuse the fact that he said it. But I promise you that a lot of your heroes have said things on tape that didn't get recorded so it didn't end their career. Look, the the
1: point is is that I'm sure... That you throw a fucking stone and I'm sure any of us have said things that we would not want recorded I'm sure any of us have said things that we regret and everything else the fact is that you know I I truly believe that we as a people are best when we fucking show forgiveness I think you know I think Hogan has paid his price and he'll continue to pay it but
0: and you can't deny his contrib- contribution to the industry. No. And, yeah, I mean, that goes for anybody, you know. So, I mean, you can't, you just can't deny it. You can't deny his contribution. And you absolutely can't deny that motherfucking heel turn. No.
1: And here's what I want to leave everybody with real quick. You know, I'm sure if we go back 20 years ago, to even 10 years ago, you have seen people toss around the word faggot.
0: Mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler. Exactly.
1: We live in a day and time where faggot is on back. What is that? Different orientation or... The problem is that there's people who grew up using that word in a con- in a context that whether it was right or wrong, it was 10 years ago. I'm sure Hogan, you know, grew up in a business that was full of racists.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the fact is that I'm sure that term and that word got thrown around a lot.
0: Well, I'm sure it did. And
1: at the time that Hogan said that, he was what? Fucking in his 60s? Close. If he's an older man that fucking is lost in a a time of new technology, the world's changing around him, I'm sure it's fucking scary. And I... I would be willing to bet that I'm sure he didn't mean it in that context of that he hates black people
0: he used a word that was con what am i to say it was contextually "quote unquote as ignorant as it was acceptable for his era and i'll say this You can say Hulk Hogan's racist or whatever you want to say, but he definitely was not racist when it came to Mr. T. No. Or Booker T. Or any (laughs) T. I mean, I'm just saying, like, from a business standpoint.
1: Political on this show. (laughs) <laughs> I know we don't get political on this show, but we have a fucking president who told that he wants to grab women by the pussy and he can, because he can get away with it. And the fact is everyone's fucking okay with that.
0: Right. So, right.
1: you know, I mean, we have a, basically have a president who has said that he is okay with sexual assault. It has shown no remorse about it either.
0: And, um, in no way, shape or form is a pro wrestler's position more important than a president's position.
1: Exactly. I mean I don't know. People make mistakes, people fall and, you know, as much as we like to say that we live in a nation under God, forgiveness is not something that a lot of people like to fucking
0: no, especially now. About. I especially nowadays. Like I, I just told my wife earlier the the number one word in the English language nowadays. is People just love to fucking whine, yeah. and yeah. So anyway, there it is. Mixtapes. Absolutely.
1: Um. Hey, I had an idea. Eight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to toss it by to you uh, We'd like to see some more You know uh, Likes on Facebook And you know Five star ratings yes, And everything else on our iTunes and Stitcher And Podbean um, I'm going to go ahead and throw something out there Okay I don't know what, I don't know what you think about this And You know Contest <laughs> and we were to have one lucky fan who five stars and everything else chosen at random be able to join us on the podcast and talk about their wrestling experiences and their likes oh my as a special guest
0: i actually talked to somebody this week about that yeah Mm-hmm. he may be on with us soon but Yeah, we can, uh, I'll probably, I can do that for, um, for the, uh, the Facebook page. We can post that. Somebody want to be the special guest on the show.
1: We'll kind of let them lead with what, you know, the subject or whatever, or hell, if they want to bring a fucking watch along like, hey, I really like this pay-per-view while we watch it, or I don't know. But...
0: Yes, we have... Um, that is a thing that is out there, and I would love... I would love to have that happen. So, Kyle. Yes. The next show... Got it here. You have to pick a number. Oh the next, boy. The next show's a pay per view show. Oh boy, this worked out
1: great last time.
0: <laughs> you have to pick a number between 1 and 10. And uh, because he's not here, because he's got the, the googly butts or whatever, the mud butt. you're gonna pick for Aaron but for you first for you first 1 through 10 a pay-per-view to watch alright
1: I'm gonna go on the the opposite sides of the spectrum I'm gonna pick 10 and I'm gonna pick 1 for Aaron
0: ooh alright number 10 for you you got a WWE pay-per-view okay April 28th, 1996. It okay. is In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. I can take that. And you said number one for Aaron?
1: Yes. Oh,
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I probably haven't watched this pay-per-view since it aired. Oh, fuck. It's be fun. I'm going Aaron... first out. Let me write this down. Hold on. Oh, he's going to cut right. a fucking promo on me. So you got in your house Good Friends, Better Enemies. From 96. And Aaron got from 98 ECW. It's already fun. Mm. Heat Wave 98. It's August 2nd, 98. Let's see. WWE Network. WWE Network doesn't even give a fuck about this. Because it's like, it features this guy, this guy, and this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So this will be fun. And since Aaron's not here, you get to pick my number. yours mm-hmm.
1: let's go middle of the roll road let's go five
0: number five whoo <sighs> september 17th 1995 It is WCW Fall Brawl ninety five. Mm. That's gonna be tough. That might be the one with let me see. Oh no it's not. No, it's not. I thought that was the pay per view with the the Flair Anderson match that was stupid. When they had them break up or whatever. But it's not. It's not. It's uh, uh, it's still going to be a shitty war game. So, uh, Kyle gets In Your House. Actually, I think you get the best of this one. In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies, with the main event of Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash. Aaron gets ECW Heat Wave 98, which probably sucks. And I have WCW Fall Brawl 95, which probably no. Which probably ain't great.
1: <laughs> oof, oof. Oh man. Um, yeah, you got about a half hour match between Johnny B. Bad and Brian Pillman. Between who? Johnny B. Bad and Brian Pillman.
0: Uh, <sighs> one of one of these things is not like the other.
1: <laughs> I don't remember Cobra. Who the fuck is Cobra?
0: He actually. Um, Grew up to be NWO Sting. That's Jeff Farmer. it's oh, gonna be bad, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna sign off. Yep. For the fiftieth. You ain't heard nothing. You we're playing to, to, 50. To, Tootsie. to another fifty. The fiftieth, yes. muscle Toff to another fifty.
1: Exactly.
0: And on the next episode, we'll let Aaron do his mixtape, and then we'll do our pay-per-view reviews. I want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode and all the forty-nine before that.
1: It is—it's truly an honor, guys. Um, for the two hundred,
0: yes, for the two hundred and sixty-two people out there listening on Podbean. It doesn't sound like a lot. It could be more than that. The only stats I get are for Podbean. But it doesn't matter. If we had three listeners, it would not matter. As wrestling fans, we appreciate your support.
1: And we're glad that we could come to you guys and bring you some entertainment.
0: Absolutely. So for Kyle and the absentee Aaron, we're going to sign off here tonight and we will see you on the next episode of the we can't wrestle podcast with some pay-per-view reviews episode 51 is coming up and he, like kyle said here's to 50 more kyle yes say goodbye bye kyle bye kyle, bye, kyle. <laughs> goodbye wrestling fans and thank you for joining us on the we can't wrestle podcast and we'll see you next week